Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. I try to believe in as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Count them, Alice. One, there are drinks that make you shrink. Two, there are foods that make you grow. Three, animals can talk. Four, cats can disappear. Five, there's a place called Underland. Six, I can slay the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this is the one. This is going to kill us. <laughs> right? Right? This is it. This is the one We're we'll dead. be remembered for because it ends in a murder-suicide. <laughs> How many is this for you guys? How many uh, Burtons? Uh, at this t- point. 21 in total. Are you fucking serious? It's that many? Jesus. Why did I ever let you make me do it? Maybe it's 17. This is the one where I was like, what, what, fucked it. What, why? Why? He's not good. He's bad director. And then he made luck. four more movies. <laughs> yeah. um, one, two, three, four, five. This is like third to last. We've done almost okay. all of them. All right. We've been going pretty out of order because of guests and such. I believe it's 20 with Dumbo. Okay. So okay. it'll be 20. We haven't done Dumbo. Jesus. I would argue we have a couple good ones left. Okay. We've saved two of the only good late period ones. Oh, you mean, right, because we have not yet recorded Sweeney, even though we're ahead of it now. Right, and right. Big Eyes you like less than me, but I'm going to fight for it. Yeah, you're going to lose. I will not fight for this <laughs> Fighting moment. for Big Eyes is like bringing like an eye to a gunfight. Okay, here, counterpoint, the eyes are big. Big guns. Big guns! I'm going to bring my big guns. Okay. Uh, Maybe I'll like it this time, I don't know. I think he will, it's a great movie. So, I don't think so. Yes, it is, it's a masterpiece. Uh, this film is uh, uh, not good. Uh, What's the film? What's this, the I mean, podcast? Is, What's your name? This is kind of a key crux point. I'm getting to it. I'm just saying this is kind of, maybe this is the one that breaks us, as you said. Maybe this is the one that breaks us, but you go, this is why I never want to cover Tim Burton. And I go, this is why we have to cover Tim Burton. Honestly, I don't think I said that because like, I figured this would be the fun episode where we're all yelling and stuff, right? Like, this would oh. be, you know, so bad it's good. And our guest today is is the Screaming Jay Hawkins of podcasts. And get ready for the yelling. <laughs> a man with a fiery temper. He's, He's about to go Tucker Carlson yeah. on this He's got studio. a bone in his yeah. nose. I want to be introduced first. I think that's only appropriate. Okay, yes. that's the correct order. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, our very sp- our special guest... Todd Vanderwarf. Hello, hello, hello. From Vox. From Vox. Sure. Uh, a host of I Think You're Interesting. Yes, which is soon to become another thing. So. It's being well, re- At this point, re- it's probably... Well, no, not at this point. Soon, it's, right. it's, re- it's relaunching April 11th. It's in, in like a chrysalis. Yeah. Yeah, like like chrysalis. Absalom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. That yes, was like my, Absalom. That was my shout out. Tyler. No, we, uh, we were going to originally, you know... Uh, kind of come up with a new focus for I think are interesting because when we talked to like people about the title they were confused by the title they were okay. like when did I record a podcast they thought that uh, they were the I and I think you're interesting when oh, clearly interesting. I stated that I was the I and I they think thought it was a show in which very famous people interview Todd Vanderwerf yeah I guess I guess um, but yeah so we, we were like we're going to do a bunch of different interview formats we're going to do that and okay. then we kind of came up with this idea it's called primetime it's for podcast fans, it's uh, you must remember this. But for television, it's stories from the history of television, oh, very cool. things oh, like that. That's good. Uh, is that going to be its own show? Or yeah. Is this, this we is got, a part of the? Yeah, okay. we. I think it's going to take over the feed. We we're figuring that out now as we speak. Now that it's March, when you're listening to this, uh, we know it already. So you'll probably know by okay. now. But yeah, it's gonna it's uh, 
we got so excited about that idea. We were like, well, we can't do both at the same time. My hope is that we'll bring back, I think are interesting, but like as a limited series type thing. So. Do do a couple a year. Yeah. Little mini series. Yeah. I'll say uh, when, when you posted Mahershala was your final episode, right? Before mm-hmm. the, the rebranding, which was an incredible episode. Yeah. And then you did like sort of not a greatest hits, but you were like, here are some of my favorite moments. Yeah. You are such a fucking good interviewer. Thank you. I was like listening to it, like taken aback. Like you genuinely, I've I've been on both sides of this thing now. I've interviewed people. Sure. I've been interviewed. I'm bad at asking questions. Mm. I find that often people ask the same stupid questions. When I listen to someone on your show, you ask at least three questions that's clear they have never been asked before. Mm -hmm. And you actually hear like your guests go like, wow, that's actually a good question. And they have to stop and consider it because you're not asking them the same thing that everyone else does. Sure, sure. I'm uh, so bad at What did I ask you that you were you didn't get? Because you've both been on the show. That's true. Yeah. I famously called Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol a summer movie. Right. So, and, and that was your key question you asked Dave in response to that was, why are you such a fucking idiot? Of <laughs> course it came out of Correct. Christmas. Um, you know, I don't remember how you phrased the question, but I feel like when we were talking about performance stuff, I somehow was able to verbalize things in a cleaner way than I ever have before. Yeah. Which I think yeah. must have been the way you pointed. Because usually I'm a mess when people ask me how acting works. Yeah. 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 How does I, acting work? Don't get me started. I have no idea. I'm a mess. <laughs> uh, who are your guys? Who are my guys? That I can answer. Michael Keaton. Ugh, someone's calling <laughs> Turn your phone off. I thought I'd put it on silence. Why is it still ringing? I don't really understand Griffin's relationship with his phone. It's very antagonistic. It really is. <laughs> I think we, there needs to be some kind of intervention between you and your phone. Yeah, I throw it into the river, and then people can't complain about me not responding because there's not even a passageway. Hmm. Todd, back onto the point. You're a very good interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> so there will you still will be interviewing people yes. on Mike and so uh, So sure. the thing about it is that each episode is going to have interviews in it, and my hope is that we'll run the most interesting of those interviews as like a bonus that you'll get. Gotcha. Like you'll get the main episode, which is the you must remember this episode on right. Thursdays, and then the next Monday you'll get like here's our hour long chat with Aaron Sorkin. Your, like your oral history. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. that sounds great. Uh, well, would of course, you walk and talk with Aaron? Halfway. Yeah, that's the plan. We got it. Yeah, we're you just gonna it. walk and talk Wilshire Boulevard. At least roll and stroll. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what if he's like, I'm rebranding. I'm Aaron Strolling. <laughs> <laughs> From now on, it's all strolls. I used to and be he has a, a stroller line. I used to be all about Sorkin <laughs> and Torkin. Right. Then became walk and talking. What's he working? Strolling and rolling. Ben is loving this. Is he directing a movie? He's directing He's doing a Chicago, Chicago 7, 7 movie? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. this game wasn't bad. Seth Rogen, Sasha Baron Cohen. Wait, that's who's in it? Yep. All right. Uh, anyway, there, uh, my guest yeah. today, Griffin Newman, Dan yes, Sims. There, there we go. Producer Ben Hosley. We finally have a pro yeah. in the show. And tell me what this show is, because I uh, forget. name of the show is uh, Blank Check with uh, Griffin and David. Hells yeah. Interested in directors, filmographies. Uh, the crazy passion projects they get to make after they have massive success early on. Sometimes those checks clear. Sometimes they bounce. Maybe. He's so good at this, David. It's true. <laughs> we should just quit. Also, his like Todd, like your voice is like calm. Good voice. Yes. I'm in good nice. hands when you're speaking. That's Thank right. I, I really try to be mellifluous, if you will. Well, speaking of wonderful voices, today we're talking about Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> I a, hate you. A film Tim. that is the equivalent of someone screaming straight into your eyeballs <laughs> <Sure>. for <laughs> right. two hours. And then just like dumping lemons in them or something. 
You know, pooping. I, yes. I was really, the last time I was on, I was on about Munich. A movie uh, you love. Munich. Movie, Munich is one of my yeah. favorite movies of all yeah. time. So I was like, I told David, I'm coming to New York. And he was like, oh, you got to do Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. He, he knows I remember this is one of my rant. least favorite he, movies. He said, you have no made. idea how much Todd hates this yeah. film. <laughs> I remember you a few years back just ranting online, I think, yeah. about the um, the Futterwhacken scene. Yes. And just how insane it is to think that that was a scene, a movie, not only a scene, a sort of like climactic, you know, uh, fulfilling scene. That is the point where this movie crosses the threshold into actual like, like felony. (laughs) Right. That's the point at which like the FBI issues. They're like, we've seen enough. (laughs) um, In a movie that was successful. Cute. Like if you watch that and you saw the Futterwhacken scene and someone would be like, and this this is why the film, of course, was a flop. You'd be like, of course. I mean, you can, as you can see from <laughs> the, the evidence on screen. The Futterwhacken <laughs> happens in the last 10 minutes of this film, but I think legally theaters had to issue refunds if people came and complained post Futterwhacken. Here, here, I found it. Okay, so there's an Alice in Wonderland wiki. Oh, boy. That he linked to. A specific Burton Alice in Wonderland yep. wiki? Yep. Yep. Wow. Futterwhack. It's a dance in the Alice in Wonderland movie. This is not like some Lewis no, Carroll thing. No, no, because he's taken, not he, but I mean, th- this film is taking like the Jabberwock. It's taking elements yeah, from it's other sort of Lewis pulling Carroll a lot books. Of, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Futterwhacken is fully off the dome from Linda Wolverton. <laughs> uh, Alice in Wonderland star Johnny Depp injured him on the set of his new movie by doing the Futterwhack, apparently. So um, someone else did it. I don't know, a stunt double? Here's a tasteless question I'm going to ask. No, not a lot else on this Wikipedia page, I got to tell you. I'm gonna it does ask, happen on the Frab Just J. I'm going to ask a tasteless question. Okay. Did the Futterwhacken ruin Johnny Depp? Is like, that this the is moment? It? Where his like, brain breaks? Because like, I feel like this is the moment where we all go, like, maybe I'm getting tired of this guy's performances. But maybe he literally breaks himself physically doing the Futterwhacken. Oh, yeah. And then his mm-hmm. mind breaks along with him. I think it's demonic. I think he... That's what I'm saying. Like, he channeled some ancient... Ghost right. that I, haunts him now. Did, did he say, somehow conjure Pinhead by doing the Futterwhacken? This is set? sort of just not in terms of Johnny Depp as a person and sure. his uh, abusive treatment of his wife and right. other various, you know, uh, public. Which I'm going to say, you know, I don't like it all. Right, I think is tremendously bad. Um, I will say the year after this is Rango, uh-huh. uh, which is a film I enjoy and I like Johnny Depp in it. I don't know when Hope he that shot you don't have to that see his face. Thing. Right, yeah. exactly. Right. Um, so I guess you could say in Rango, he's sort of trying. Right. Taurus um, is the year after this or two years Taurus after Taurus is this? the same year as this. He was nominated for two Golden Globes this year. They nominated him in drama and comedy? I believe that's right. I'm going to oh, wow. double check. Or that. they nominated him twice in comedy. Did he get two comedy nominations? Because I know they put Taurus as a comedy. And yeah. I can't imagine them classifying this as a drama. Oh, this was a comedy. Let's see. Did he have two out of the five best actor nominations? He did. <laughs> right. So this is the moment no, I think everyone just goes like, we have let I was this go on I was going to say, in 2009, he's in Public Enemies, which I know is not a movie that everyone likes. But I will so say- I like that movie. Yeah, it's, I, I like that movie. And it's one and of the last times- we're going to talk about times, it again on this podcast. Right. right. And it's one of the last times he's making an effort- some effort. Yes. I mean, famously, Michael Mann did walk up to him on set and said, like, I know your problem. I figured it out. You can't act. You're a terrible actor. Do you know that story? That's a real story. Yes. And Johnny Depp was like, I will not speak to this man again. And it was there was like four months of production left. Yeah. <laughs> Which is sort of, a, I think Michael Mann's like one of those old NBA coaches who's like, well, you got to, you know, break him down and then build him back up. Yeah. Right. You know, and like Johnny Depp was like, why is this man saying I can't act? There is that weird thing, though, like 
there are so many incredibly successful actors, and not just people who are movie stars, but people who are taken seriously as actors who on a fundamental technical level cannot really act. You, and somehow right, they sure, work. Sure, sure. Like right. they, they don't have the sort of formal skills one might Right, and there's just some magic job. thing and they have an understanding of that specific medium. I can't wait like to they read don't know how the to five act, Golden Globe nominees. But they know how to nominee. like get it in the camera and they know how to work around editing and all that sort of stuff. There are also tons of people I've worked with where it's just like, you're a really good actor. And then you watch the footage and you're like, this does not translate at all. <laughs> yeah. right. Like there's sure. great actors who cannot make it work on, on camera. On, camera, on right. the other hand, if Michael Mann told me I was a bad actor, I, someone who doesn't even try to act, would throw myself into a river. I you would. would. Yeah. You would. I would just be like, yes, sir. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes sir. I'm sorry. Uh, but Jack Depp's a guy with no formal training. He was sure. a rocker. Nicholas Cage was like, you should do movies. They give you a lot of money. <laughs> That's truly the story. The 80s, baby. Right. They were like LA, like rock club brats. Mm -hmm. And he was like, honestly, you're good looking. They'll probably give you a million. <laughs> Johnny Depp was like, how much wine could I buy with a million dollars? Right. Then he became like a teen heartthrob. He hated yeah, yeah, being yeah. a teen heartthrob and he defined himself by making weird choices, right? Sure. And the Tim Burton films were seen as somewhat of a high point for those. But up until this point, it was like he makes weird choices, but they always seem correct. Are He's you always. In line with the movie. And this is the movie where the Tim Burton, Johnny Depp weirdness becomes like gold member. Where it's like, <laughs> right. I don't know what the angle is. Right. Here. And also it's sort of like, where does this, be when, where do you begin and it ends? Like, right. are, yeah. Are you a person even? Like. We have already recorded Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at this point. Whether or not you like that movie, I think he's making like yeah. coherent choices in that performance. I think yes. he's good in that movie. Yeah. I think so too. Right. He's kind of like amazingly funny and well we'll talk we'll about have it. litigated it at that point right i know some people don't like it and a lot of that is just oh it's disrespectful it's crazy he's creepy but i think he's funny and it's weird and the character makes sense internally internally like it right it may not be your willy wonka or your image of willy wonka it's in but sync it, with the movie and there's a consistent psychology right this you're just like this actually feels like the supermarket sweeps challenge where they're like okay you have two minutes to raid this prop closet <laughs> right, right. and come up with affectations. My girlfriend kept just being like, why does he look like that? Like, right. wh what does it mean? And I was sort of like, well, he's like a mad hatter. Right, but he's literally mm, like two know. minutes, like <laughs> pulling the eyelashes off right. the wall, taking a card that says Scottish brogue. He, they sort of play it like he's got borderline personality disorder because sometimes he kind of becomes violent. Yeah, this is a real realistic movie in that regard, I mm -hmm. thought. Well, a, a lot of, like, there's, like, a contest where you got to make a short film in 24 hours. Yes. Or sure, right. play yes. in 24 hours. Right. It feels Sprite. like that as a performance. I think you're giving him too much credit to say he had 24 hours to come up with this <laughs> yeah, performance. Yeah, 24 minutes. Right. All right. The five nominees for Best Actor Hubbard in Scissor cast the film as Alice Wonderland. <laughs> Correct. The five nominees. Can you tell me? You can okay. tell me two of the nominees. 2010. It's 2010. So the it's 2000, 2010. Yeah, so we're talking, uh, we're talking uh, Black Swan. Think about it, man. We're talking Inception. I'm trying to think of the films now, of that year. Here's a hint I'm going to give you. Now K you've got, King you know, is King Speech. Is this the King Speech year? Yeah, but that's in drama. Right. No, but I'm just trying to uh, yeah, 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 give myself right, yeah. the year of film. But just to give you a couple hints, and these yeah. are not big hints. One, you know, two of the nominees, two of the five. Uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp for Alice in Wonderland, and um. Johnny Depp for The Tourist. Two performances we're still laughing at today. <laughs> That's what's oh, so oh, crazy oh, to think oh, about. Oh, the oh. Green Book won Best Comedy. Yes. Comedy. Yes. Anyway. Although, when you talk to old people who love Green Book, that's their note. They go, it's so funny. Yeah. I mean, when Truly. I saw it, when I saw it in a theater, it it was like laugh a minute. I it, will say, like, feels, not for me so right. much, but like, It yeah, feels weird to classify it that way, but when it people has, defend that movie. That's Italian for pretty good is is a great laugh line. There is some laugh lines. There's in some Green laugh Book. lines. Anyway. Okay. 
I will just warn you, the three other movies, two of them basically were not released. The third one like was released and was a flop. Okay, so two so of them. Don't cast around thinking of like the big movies right, of no, 2010. Two of them are like equivalent to like the Lesser Seeker. Exactly. Do you remember and when Helen Mirren got nominated for Best Actress eight months before the movie was released yeah, for in le- For Lesser Seeking? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I have a guess. Is uh, Ewan McGregor and Salmon Fish in Yemen? Incorrect. No. Uh, I think that's like the year before or something. Yeah. You know, that's, it's somewhere But is there. it that type of zone? Or, one, or one do of they them, exist one even of them, less than I that? I really thought this movie went unreleased. The winner, I know this movie was released. And in fact, we were just talking about it. Uh, Barney's oh version. Paul Giamatti wins Best Actor for Barney's version. <laughs> Correct. And it was one of those things when he won, when people were, people were like, what's this movie? And it was so yeah. like, I guess he has to win of these five. It's the yeah, only one right. that people even agreed I, was a good performance. I remember it being that way. But that was yeah. one of those things where Sony was like, we're going to do a quick qualifying release and then we'll release it wide later. And then they never released it wide what later. What's Barney's right. version about? Well, you know, he's Jewish and his stomach hurts and he sleeps with all these <laughs> well, ladies. No, don't ask David. You want to get Barney's version of the story. <laughs> Barney, get in here. I think that's literally, it's like, it's by like the Canadian Philip Roth. Okay. Yeah, Mordecai, oh, right, sure. Mordecai Rickler, I think Right, and he's is. like, you know, an angsty, like neurotic Jew writer about like the perils of masculinity. And it's a story about like how many times he loved and lost. You know, it's a movie about, if you always went like, I don't see Paul Giamatti dating enough beautiful women on screen. Barney's right. version is like, we can give you like 12 in one movie. <laughs> okay. It's so like he Rosamund used- Pike. Is oh, Rachel yeah, Weiss yeah. in it? Who else is in it? I don't fucking know. It's got a good cast of actresses. So he like used up his quota on that movie. He did. Yeah, okay. He did. All right. It's like Paul Giamatti doing his Scott version Speedman's of an Adam Sandler one. movie. You got Minnie Driver. Uh, David Cronenberg's in it. I can't the go through this of all. cast. All right. Two others. Okay. I got you. Have- and do they exist more or less than Barney's version? <laughs> one exists more, one less. One exists more. Was one actually released wide? Yeah, it was released wide. I saw it in theaters. It's a piece of shit. It's a piece of shit, but did we laugh? David, did we laugh? As a nation, did we laugh? Calling this movie a comedy is somewhat outrageous. I guess it's a romantic comedy, sort of. Mm -hmm. It was a prestige play in a way. It's from a prestige director, but like a bad one. Ah, he's a hot young star. There's a lot of sex in this movie. Does it even exist? I don't think it exists. No, 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 no. no. Is it it, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal Love and Other Drugs? Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. And then I have a guess about the other one. I might be totally off, but if I'm right, this is a good poll. Dustin Hoffman, Good Luck Charlie? No. Although, oh my God. Right? <laughs> um, the other person has been fully canceled. One of the most canceled men in Hollywood. One of the most. I would say. Top of the heap. Yeah. Uh, Brett Ratner? No, for no, Tower no, Actor. Yeah, right. <laughs> so once again, I'm going to restate Brett Ratner for He's Tower Heist. Spacey, right? Spacey. Spacey what was in a comedy? Uh, she's not beyond the sea here. That's not nine lives. Not beyond the sea, not nine lives. <laughs> I mean, really, I don't think this was released. It has one of those posters where you're like, oh, someone made this at home? <laughs> <laughs> and he's the lead. Let me give you the other four actors above the title on this poster. Okay. Barry Pepper, Kelly Preston, John Lovitz, Love Rochelle Lefebvre. Well, okay. This is Casino Jack. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. It's about Jack Abramoff, right? Yep. Yes. Okay. And the final film of George Hickenloop. Uh huh. But like, talk. Of, I don't think that movie was really released. I like, don't think so. Either. You know, I'm sure it had like a limited release. You know, who did a lot of press for that movie. Hit me, John Lovitz. Okay. He was ready for it to be his like his, uh, Albert uh, drive, Brooks and Drive, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I love how we both knew exactly. Yes. What movie we were thinking of. It made $1.0 million <laughs> at the box office, though. Wow. Which is uh, less than its $12 million budget, I yeah. will admit. 
Uh, it also made a grand total of $40,000 overseas. Hey. Wow. People overseas. <sighs> anyway. That, that's one of those final Just one of the movies. wildest yeah. indictments of the Golden Globes is comedy category where people are always like, no, it's good that they have a comedy category because it's good to recognize comedies. And I'm like, oh, yeah, all those comedies ho, they recognize. Oh, chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. I seem to remember that the early 2010s were really bad for them being able to find movies that were mm-hmm. actually good to put in the comedy category. Sure, right. Like, I, I don't know. They kind of overlooked a lot of the Apatows. They overlooked a lot oh, yeah. of other stuff that, like, was actually funny. Well, when, when American theatrical comedy was still robust. They were choosing to nominate like, oh, we're going to pretend that like Helen Mirren and Hitchcock is a comedy. Sure. Yeah, I bet you if I just took a comedy category from like any year, we could probably like rip on it for five minutes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's how the globe. Okay, are. save one in the chamber for later in the episode. Oh, sure. Fine. All right. So Alice in Wonderland. Last Chance Harvey was the year before, by the way. Oh, I said good luck. Harvey. Yeah, right. That's right. what it's called. Yeah. I mean, it's called Last, Last Chance, Chance Harvey is the right one. Yeah. Okay. Alice in Wonderland. Guys, what I was thinking about, and I wanted to say this on mic, uh-huh. is this is 2010. Yep. In 2011, you've got Thor and Captain America. Mm-hmm. And it feels like there's a real divide between like what Hollywood's cooking up there. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, here's the other thing. I know this is the start of the remake, the Disney remake Except trend. Except it isn't. No. That's what's fascinating about really. this movie. Yeah. That, that is the one thing that is thoroughly fascinating about this movie culturally. The second thing I would say is this is one of the few movies in history where it's like its success is largely attributable to another movie, which is this comes out four months after After Avatar Avatar, and they just really sold. It's in 3D and it's a world you've never seen. That's why I saw it. I was like, I can't wait to join Wonderland through the power of my real D glasses. And it was post-converted. Of course. It looks like shit. It looks like shit. It's the ugliest movie ever made. This is my opinion. Not one frame of this movie looks good, except the real world stuff looks say. fine. Like, that's fine. So Before here, she's in Wonderland. Here's a take I feel like you guys could drag me for. I like all the real world stuff in this movie. No, I agree with you. I'm totally locked into the first 20 minutes of this film. Ten. It's not that long. Really? Fuck. I want to pretend it was longer. It's not. It's ten I'm, minutes. I'm like... First ten minutes are fine. This is kind of interesting seeing Tim Burton do a British period drama. First ten minutes, Mia Wasikowska has stuff to do. She's really good in the first They're, ten minutes. The, the, it's shot very... Flatly, it's a little. There's flat. a couple interest, like the shot of all the people looking that's at her. The shot. That's a nice the shot. shot. Yeah, but yeah, a lot of the rest of it's like very boring reaction shots. But I think there's some good character development there. I like you go. All right, now you're revving it too high. It's I'm just fine. rev it a little. No, bit. no, 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 no. Rev down. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's here's the thing I like about it. Okay, keep that in double it, Ben. Yeah, we've talked about <laughs> how Tim Burton gets into an interesting place where it's like. Man, maybe the guy has made every personal movie he could make. Like, maybe he said everything on the subject. And was another thing where Hollywood was just like, make another thing, anything you want. He's like, okay, okay. And then there came some point, right, where he was like, I'm out. I'm out. And they were like, okay, Alice in Wonderland then? Like, And and then the other thing is he becomes so successful that it's like he can't really make outsider movies in the same kind of way. Well, he's trying, though, with this. Right, but I'm saying, whereas like something like Edward Scissorhands, you're like, this is palpable. This is a guy still recovering from feeling completely removed from society. Sure. Now you're like, I don't know. He can't really like make it sing anymore. But what he's getting at in the first 10 minutes of this movie, I was like, this is a way that Tim Burton could evolve, is just making movies about like weird societal structures. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, oh, oh, England manners. Like, this is a kind of world that like he can come at with a similar kind of confusion and a satirical edge without yeah. him having to make a movie that's about like a little scissor boy. Right. 
Yeah. And I was like into it. And then it's literally the moment she falls down the hole. Into shitland. Right. I'm like, right. why do I now hate this movie suddenly and dramatically? It's a color of dirty dishwater. It's, literally. Right. It's, in it's a brown. Glorious 3D. There's right. also this weird thing where like if like you don't know how to make a shot look good, especially in like TV or something, they're like, let's add some Atmos. Mm. Which is they just run a bunch of smoke on set. Right. Because it at least adds a little texture. And this movie does the CGI version of that. Right. There's CGI It Atmos. just looks like distance fog. Like right. it just looks like shitty effects. But I think they were just like, this just looks like Candyland in hell. Well, and they were like, add some Atmos. What the fuck? Make it tactile. Do it right. Yeah. Well, because this is like, this movie costs $200 million. Correct. And it's kind of all there on the screen in that I'm sure this was expensive to make. Like it's not like you're looking at this and. It's not how do you know? I understand they had to render a whole world here. The super, the, but where like, is the talent? Yes, the special effects supervisors who worked on this movie said, like, far and away the most difficult job we've ever done. Right. And I think part of that was, like, everyone got cocky when, like, people were starting to do this, like, these, digital backlog Avatar, movies. These, doing, you know, these green screen movies, totally. Right. Yeah. And it's like Robert Rodriguez, like, kind of figured out how to do it himself and was also doing all of it himself. Right, and he's a maniac, and he works like too hard, and he writes right. and cuts and edits and produces and everything. And he was you know? working off a comic where he could copy specific panels right. and all this shit. And like, also, Cameron the world is, of Sin City is very simple. Right, it's like yeah. exactly. rooms. Yeah. Cameron is like Cameron. Sure, and I think everyone's like Tim Burton's creative. He could do something like this. And you watch this movie, and it's like people still fucking drag us for being like. And on top of it all, the two of them like Avatar. Watch this movie and right. try to not like Avatar. Yeah, yeah, Go watch Avatar. No, you don't even have to no. rewatch Avatar. Yeah, you do. I'm saying watch Alice in Wonderland the whole time. You'll be like, you're right. Avatar is like an no, eight out of ten. No, you have to go watch right? it now. They drag you for liking Avatar. Oh, yeah. All the so time. Hard. Avatar's they a act, movie. They act like it's our favorite movie of all time. Sure. Well, I mean, it is your favorite movie of it all time. It is my favorite movie. Of course. It's our David favorite movie of all time. David texts me every morning. Avatar, Avatar is my Avatar. favorite movie. Avatar's yeah. good. I text you every morning just, da na 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 That's what he texts me. I send you a voice memo of myself going, da na 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 Boy, oh boy. I wonder why you blocked my number. Um, yes, this is one of those movies where, like, they said, like, why would we shoot it in 3D? It's, like, cumbersome. Yeah, and James we can Cameron do that later, right? openly was like, that is incredibly dumb. <laughs> right. And we've to this day, you've got Alita coming out shot in 3D. Looks the so rare good. movie that shot in 3D. And, oh, what surprise, surprise, the 3D is good. Yeah. I feel like this movie killed 3D. In a way. It like, both like. Obviously sort of, 3D is still around. Yeah. But, no, but a lot of people paid yeah. for the 3D and were like, what the fuck? That yeah. sucked. I'm and not then paying five does bucks. Clash of like, the Titans come out a month after this? Clash of the Titans came out before this. I really? think. Well, I can look it up. I'll look okay. it up. Um, I think this is definitely a bloom off the rose moment where people went like, oh, the, the, this like that was a one in a million thing. The Avatar thing. Like people are just going to be sloppy about this. But also the insane thing is like uh, Linda Wolverton who uh, wrote or had writing credits on most of the Disney Renaissance movies, right, right? Right, right? Which are sort of very tight in their plot. You no, know, you're right. College of the Titans is the next month. Okay, that's right. what I thought. That was another one. I right. feel like people that's felt the final, duped. right. Yeah. Where people were like, it's literally like the arm and the head are in like different dimensions. <laughs> and the, the, the problem with um, most of these movies is the post-conversion process makes them dark. So then like yes. most theaters in America under project yes. their movies. So you're, you're just walking into a situation where everything looks like it's in silhouette or something. And also the post-conversion process is essentially handing special effects people a live action film that is locked and saying, can you animate a movie under this? Right. Like mm -hmm. they then have to create three dimensional CGI models to wrap the image around. 
And more and more, they, like, don't understand what that pipeline is. Yeah. And they were like, we can just shoot any footage and hand it to you and you'll turn it into 3D. And they're like, yeah, but it'll look like the the feature on, like, 2009-era televisions where you hit the 3D button. And it's like Larry King's eyes are popping right. out it's of like his head. It's like a 3DS. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like yeah. a 3DS, essentially. Yes. All right. Linda Wolverton, she wrote the Beauty and the Beast screen. Which are, like, these are, like, tight movies. Like, she uh, yes. took these, like, big... She wrote The Lion King screenplay. Right, right. She wrote um, a little film called Alice in Wonderland, a 2010 film by Tim Burton. Right, but she's on, like, the story team for all these Disney She's on the story stories. team for Aladdin and Mulan. Right. Um, that, and uh, she also wrote the Maleficent screenplay. Yes. She also wrote um, the screenplay for a film that, and I'm saying this on the air right now, mm-hmm. is better than Alice in Wonderland. <sighs> and that film is called Alice Through the Looking Glass. Oh, I. Uh, I'm I'm team through the looking. Glass. I agree. It's better. I, I mean, agree. it's only better in that this is the worst movie. Yeah, it's a little better. It's a little better. It's a little better. I it, agree it, with that. It has weirdly. It's sort of like has a narrative. Yes. Like it's not. It's a sort of a stupid narrative, but at least it has like sort of like there's sort of a task to it, accomplish. It's like, pondering yes. the age old philosophical question: Should you kill baby Hitler? Which yeah. is like it's that yeah. right. right right. And you know, I mean, like. Slash Baron Cohen's fun in it. He's fun. He plays the concept of time as a person. It has like 20% practical sets, which that improvement. And it's also just made six years later. So just like, you know, yes. the money, I don't know, it can be spent better. It looks a little cleaner. But what is so crazy is this movie is so sold on the visuals, the wonder, the 3D. It's Tim Burton. His imagination's unfettered. It's a full 3D, you know, Tim Burton CGI Fantasia. And it was still, we were still at the tail end of people being like, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland is going to be twisted. Like, genuinely. Yes. Like, when this came out, the, people were like, the Hatter poster. Right. All the posters right. look like People were like, wow, he looks right. like a demon, like... Whoa, he's going to spook kids with this shit. I mean, this is his highest grossing film. I'm sure. By by a good margin. This just this feels like the first movie where Tim Burton realized he could get residuals from Hot Topic if he tried hard enough. <laughs> well, I was going to say. So here I think if you adjust Batman would beat this movie, but that's it. Adjusted, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But um uh talk about like cultural things with this movie, right? Okay. So like the the rise and fall, like the the high point and the low point simultaneously of uh 3D filmmaking, right? But the other thing is, I think this is this weird threshold moment where uh, uh, Disney starts to become cool. Mm-hmm. Disney had always been like nerdy or childish. <sighs> yeah, you're right. This is a Kingdom Hearts moment where like Disney topic, is a brand. Right. right. It's like you can buy like an edgy Lion King shirt now. Whereas like Disney's brand throughout my childhood was more like babies. Well, and it was also like. Parents know that they can trust Disney right. to entertain their child without being too fucking weird right. or political. It's going to be just a Disney movie and you're going to buy the white clamshell VHS. Exactly. Um, right. Before. Yeah. And then when you like got old, you were like, I don't want those fucking sanitized, the Disney-fied versions of things. Sure. Like that's the Gen X. Like you get old and then you go like, man, Disney, they whitewash everything. And do you know he was a Nazi? Sure. And I feel like this generation that's cusping right with Alice in Wonderland are like, wait, we can just buy ironic Disney shirts? Like, we can still like Disney but seem above it because we're, like, re-owning it in a postmodern way, except those shirts are still manufactured by Disney. And Disney's coffers, like, start doubling in these years. Yeah. This is when they're also, like, buying every brand in sight. Right. Is this when they buy Marvel? They buy Marvel, I think, maybe the year after. Like, you know, because we've talked about it. Like, Star Wars is 2012. Uh, they buy Star Wars in 2012. Right. Um, they buy. I think they buy Marvel this year. I think they buy it 2010. Because I work at the Disney store in 2011, and they've had Marvel for a year. 
They, in in fact, to, they bought it in 2009. Did you so have you to go. dress as Johnny Depp's Mad Hatter while you worked at the Disney store? No, because the blooms off the rose a little bit. Okay. I, right. I think they were moving on to, they're so topical there. But I'll tell you, like when I worked. What was the hot shit then? What was the hot shit then? Cars 2. Cars 2 fever. Mm. You Is have that no a fever? It, it was more of a low. Kids of, could like not stop cold. talking about Sidley the spy jet. Excuse me? Sidley the spy jet? Are you having a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> they still haven't stopped talking about it. Jason Isaacs playing the role of Sidley the spy jet. What if there's like one kid who just still has not stopped talking about the fucking spy jet? Sidley? Do you know there's a moment in Cars 2 where they're having a car chase in an airport and Sidley gets on the runway and he goes, climb inside me. No, I didn't. And know his that. ramp comes down, and the cars drive inside his butt. And then there's a scene that takes place inside Sidley. Well, he then becomes a location. He's a plane. Did you yeah. know this? <laughs> I wasn't aware. But he's like living, and they're just like. I just want. I want to imagine you as like a senator who's like. Are the good people of Missouri aware that there is a scene in Cars 2 <laughs> who has Sidley, I'm reading from the uh, record here, Sidley the Space Jet. It says Sidley the Spa Jet the spy is jet. both a character and a location. <laughs> is that right, Senator? I mean, just, just try to break this down. For, so oh, this is oh, also okay. when Disney loses its old reputation and gains a reputation for weird perverted shit going on in all its movies. Is right, that right? Right. Yeah, and because of the spy chat. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was the same guy who made like put a penis in uh, Little Mermaid or whatever. Right. He right. came back for Sidley the Spy Jet and they were like, Alan! Sex in the clouds and, uh, and what Lion is this? King. What if it turned out that those were Linda Wolverton's contribution? Right. She was just She's like, like, can you make one of the spires of uh, King Triton's castle look like a peen? Um, no, but I, I remember like at this time, Disney was in this like rebuilding stage, right? They're buying out all these properties. Right. They've been taking these big swings of like, we were not popular with boys. Sure. So it's like, let's make a $200 million Tron movie. Mm. Can Alice in Wonderland kind of be a tweener because we really centralized the Mad Hatter and, yeah, we, and boys like Johnny Depp. Right. Pirates is their one boy franchise. Of course, their solution to this ends up being just buy Star Wars and Marvel. Mm -hmm. But at this point, they're trying to make in-house big boy franchises. And what's weird about this movie is it's never positioned as this is Tim Burton doing a new version of Disney's Alice in Wonderland. This movie has no relation to Disney's Alice in Wonderland. This movie is a weird sequel to an Alice in Wonderland that was never made. It has sort of winks at Disney's Alice in Wonderland. Little wink. When but they like, do the flashback, the, the girl is wearing a very similar outfit. She's wearing like the Easter brighter eggs. blue dress, and sure. she is, of course, a child rather than a 20-year-old. But yeah. none of the designs really match the Disney characters. It doesn't have any of the songs or music. No. It's an entirely different plot. Right. You're saying it's not like The Jungle Book or something where it's like trying to hew pretty closely to the plot of the Disney animated movie, right. The Jungle Book. That's like, the other weird thing. Because you go like Disney animation is starting to get back up on its feet at this point, right? Like Tangled had come out the year before. No, the same, same year. Isn't oh, it? it's 2010? I think sure. you're right. Yeah, 2010. Here are right. Disney's 2010 movies. Yeah. Obviously, their big hit is Toy Story 3. Right. T.S. Trois. T.S. Trois. Yeah. And then Alice. Mm -hmm. They all said Tangled. Right. They also had Tron Legacy. Right. Those were their only hits. Yeah. See, they this is two a weird turning point flops. Here. Yeah. The Prince of Persia movie. Right. right. Humongous flop. We're trying to get boys. And The Sorcerer's Apprentice. A gigantic flop trying to get boys. They also released some movies like Secretariat and yeah. When in Rome, You Again. These are Disney movies. When I was Now Disney yes. is basically like, every movie, Captain America's in it. Every right. single one. Wait, Secretarian, the BoJack movie? <laughs> Yep. Yeah. It was the Bojack movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. I yeah. didn't realize that was 
real. Old uh, Dogs. Yes. I didn't realize Old Dogs was Disney. Oh, yes, it is. Because he had made Wild Hogs, which was Disney. I think at that point it was Touchstone, and by this point- Todd's the one with the Wild Hogs story. Yep. That's the one where your dad was like, we're seeing <laughs> that movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, that was uh, that was like right down the middle of my dad. Was, uh, we went and saw it. Have I? What do you think? He loved it. <laughs> Wild Hogs, surprised. Down Periscope, Gail Vanderwerf's favorite movies. Are those his one and two? Periscope. Yeah, loves those movies. <laughs> that dirty submarine movie from the 90s? Yeah. That movie's good. <laughs> Is that Kelsey Grammer? That should be a bench Kelsey choice. Grammer. Oh, Kelsey yeah. Grammer. I love that movie. I always get Down Periscope. I just remember and it has like a lot of Navy. dick jokes. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. Yeah, Mikhail's Navy is... Is um, Tom Arnold? Tom Arnold, Which right? one is Roberto Schneider in? Is he in Mikhail or Down Paris? You talking about Rob Schneider? Senior Roberto. <laughs> I believe you mean uh, upside in... down exclamation point Rob? Exclamation oh, I believe point. he's in Mikhail's. Down Periscope is obviously one of those movies they made for $5 million back when you were trying to see if a TV star Excuse me. Sure. I hate to tell you this, but the... Um, the budget of Down Periscope was $31 million. Uh, it does have Rob Please Schneider. Eat this crow pie. It okay. has oh. Lauren Holly, wow. apparently Harry Dean Stanton, and Rip Torn, <laughs> and Bruce Dern, and William H. Macy. This thing's loaded with character actors. How many, what, is this the USS character actor? Can you quickly run down how many Academy Award nominations the cast of. Well, Schneider is 14. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, because like. Macy Tor- has one, Torn has one. Yeah, Torn only has one, right? right? Does Dern have two? Maybe one? I think he has two. I think Dern has two, yeah. God, I love Supporting I for love Coming Bruce Home, Dern. Lead for Nebraska. Is that it? I think. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Wow. Kelsey Grammer, I don't know. How many has he got? Oh, well, they nominated him for Beast. Hank sure. McCoy. Right, right, right. Best Beast. Beast. Yeah. Best Beast in a supporting role. Best Beast in a supporting role. My uh, my father doesn't trust fiction. He uh, thinks it's all based on lies, which technically it is. Uh-huh. Uh, but down sure. Periscope and Wild Hogs, like yep. so. What he likes is the verisimilitude of those two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he thinks those are the only two American films to tell it like Periscopes it. Periscopes do go down. They do. You got to bring them down sometimes. And look, and those hogs are wild. <laughs> Tr- true. You got to admit, David. You got to admit. Two Macy's. Your dad is a Macy fan. Yeah. I guess. Is, yeah. is Bill Macy his favorite star? It might be, you know, I, I always thought it was Tim Allen because he loved, you know, the he loved on Home Improvement when you go, rawr, yeah. rawr, rawr, rawr. but uh, another truth maybe teller. It's Bill Macy. Yeah. yeah, Tim Allen really was. He had the courage to tell the truth when the rest of us didn't. Is that thing still on? Uh, Your favorite show? The uh, one with last the girl puts on the, yes, yes it is. Head. They've yeah. replaced two of his daughters now, so it's about a white man who doesn't realize <laughs> his daughters are changing <laughs> into different people. Do you know that Caitlin Deaver was one of the daughters of on that I know show? That. Yep. And was still she on still it like is. five seasons. She's the she's, one who's still there. She, she's the one. She's off to college now, so she comes in every five okay. episodes and is like, "Dad." But and then the she goes other away. two left. The other two left. Did you know yeah. that there is a federal law that any film set in the Appalachian Mountains has to have Caitlin Deaver in it? Did you know that? I saw this movie at Sundance where I was like, where is she? Where is she? And then she's, 10 minutes in, I was like, here she is. She's I such knew a it. good actor. I love her. Yeah. I love her. Um, yeah. Caitlin Deaver. It's just like, uh, yeah. Does your movie have moonshine and or like uh, snake handling in it? Caitlin Deaver is involved. Uh, he now has a Chinese exchange student living with him. That's, oh that's a now part of the premise of last I he has nothing to say about that. Hey, oh, you know what? He doesn't. He's real he's, quiet. He's very, yep. He keeps it to Respectful. himself. Does he yep. say things like, Tell me more about your culture. He really does. He's, he's respectful and quiet. And then he just, you know, he vlogs later. He's like, I learned so many fascinating things about China. Wait, today. He vlogs? That's, is vlogging part of Part of the premise of the show is that he vlogs, David. Now he's made me mad. It's like a sex in the city with vlogging. Yeah. 
Is he vlogging like, hey, this is the last man standing with my daily report? Like, is it like he's in an apocalyptic movie? No, he has like access to uh, like visual effects and like Avid and all this stuff. It's like mm. he once did a thing where he was he's in a, a CGI man. car driving and ran into an iceberg. It's great. What? <laughs> but the, the only ep- thing I remember is the episode where the girl wears the Garfield head. Is that that's, Dever? That's that's uh, the first. Uh, that's the Molly Ephraim, who is right. the first Mandy. Uh, yeah. Have you seen so, every episode? Uh, no, I haven't seen every episode. Okay, I've seen close. most of them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Last man standing. It's not a good show, but it's an interesting show. Sure. Is so. this season six now? Seven. So. Yeah. And they're probably going to run two, three more. Right. So. Yeah. Cause now it's Why like, not? it's bumping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Elizondo's in it. Earning that check. Nancy Travis. Hector. Love Nancy Travis. God, Hector. Yeah, I mean, in a post-Gary Marshall world, I think <laughs> Hector needs that thing to run for another seven, right? Shit. Maybe he should just start making the movies. Elizondo should make Arbor Day or whatever. It's Hector Day. <laughs> That's it. My new movie, Hector Day. Every part played by me <laughs> using computers. I'm a, a what's it? A, the FedEx line in Run- Runaway Bride, mm-hmm. where he's like, remember, she gets on a FedEx truck. And uh, someone's like, where's she going? And Elizondo's like, I don't know, but she'll get there tomorrow by 11 or what, right? He has, I've never seen a theater erupt more than at that line. That is the most killer line reading I've ever know, seen in my life. Tomorrow. <laughs> I, mean, I have to find out the exact line. Because talk about a pro. FedEx is the company in Castaway, right? Yes. They were like really good there in the late 90s yes. at like doing product placement mm-hmm. that you were like, okay, I buy it. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Like, yeah, because the whole first act of Castaway is just sort of describing to you how like FedEx is like mail cargo system right. works. And being like, it's like Tom Hanks with a clipboard. You yeah. got Tom Hanks working the docs for them. Yeah. It one documentary short subject with the Oscars. Yeah. The first 30 minutes yeah. alone. <laughs> I wish people Zemeckis would do that. gets up there and he's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> In my head, he's so grumpy. Zemeckis? I interviewed him once and he was very grumpy. Not with me. Just with like the movie industry. You didn't interview him for Marwin. Right? I interviewed him for Allied. A master. And I was so like, you know, talking to him about it, and he was just like, I just think Hollywood makes bad movies and I just wanted to make like a war movie that's like an old fashioned movie and they just don't make those anymore. It is fascinating how all those guys who were like the biggest blockbuster directors and got to make everything they wanted to make. That's the time. Where's she going? I don't know, but she'll be there by 1030 tomorrow. That's gonna like the audience. Literally, it was basically like they were they were like, "Pay this man anything. That's I'll do good. anything for Elizondo. Elizondo for president." God, it also got funnier when it becomes ten thirty and not tomorrow. I yep. mean, the specific really helps there. Yep. Um, what was it? I was saying something about uh, Hector Elizondo. Um, this is the Hector Elizondo podcast. Uh, I don't. I don't remember what I was gonna say. But but Disney, all, all those guys with the blockbusters in there. Oh, oh, all those guys. With, thank you, Tom. What a pro! All those guys with the blockbusters love to now complain about how the industry is terrible. Like James Cameron and George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and mm-hmm. Zemeckis. All these guys who got to make every movie they wanted to make and were showered with like Oscars and billions. Sure. Are just like this industry is terrible. Everyone's making movies for children. Right. What are they doing? Remaking like comic book movies? Who right. ever thought of that? Yeah. Yeah. Did you uh, get welcomed to Marwin? Oh, of course. We were cordially welcomed. Oh, we're yeah. formally welcomed. Right. Movie with a lot of weird similarities to this one. Uh, yes, and that it's a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the primary one. Welcome to Marwin was basically like Robert Zemeckis had been listening to Blank Check, and we were sort of like, yeah, we might do Zemeckis. And he was like, you're doing it. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> you see how expensive this thing is? David's pointing to the wall. <laughs> like he's like showing us. <laughs> Excuse me. 
I convinced a major studio to let me make this. He has a foot fetish. My point is, Disney is at the early stages. My point I was starting to make 20 minutes ago. Disney's at the early stages of being like, we're silos, we're franchises. Like, we don't want to make movies like Secretariats or Old Dogs anymore. Every Disney movie is a fucking event. It's an atomic bomb. The schedule clears to get out of the way. No one wants to deal with a Disney movie. But what they weren't doing yet were exploiting their own IP in the same way. They're using, like, public domain stuff. They're buying other things. They're using, like, weird cult IP. But they're not touching the Disney classics because I think they seemed like we have to keep those behind glass. Mm -hmm. Disney animation is finally starting to, like, get a little groove going on. Pixar is doing the first sequel that they were forced to do as part of the Disney buyout. Toy Story 3? Yes. That was the first, like, okay, here you go, $5 billion. Now, of course, you're making Toy Story 3. Here are six other sequels we want, right? Right, right. right. But this is the start, like, it's after the Wally Ratatouille uprun. Uh, and then and Toy Story 3 is like, you know, now now we're in sequel town. Right. Uh, Marvel, they start, haven't started flexing creative uh, no. power on. Star Wars is still a couple years away. Yeah. And so they're just like, who's, like, what do we buy into? Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. So they're like, we're doubling down on Johnny Depp. What does Johnny Depp want to do? Lone Ranger? We're doing Lone Ranger. Ugh. What does Tim Burton want to do? And the big thing was they announced in one Tim go. Tim Burton wanted to do. Dark Shadows, I assume, right? Was that his point? No, go ahead. What did they announce? Go on, go on, go no, on. They announced in one go. They were like, we're bringing Tim Burton back into the Disney fold sure. where he belongs. He's going to make two movies in Disney digital 3D. Do you remember when they would use that as a marketing course, point? Yeah. They were like, they had their not own just proprietary 3D. 3D. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, he's going to make two Disney digital 3D movies. They announced this in 2008. So it's before Avatar when everyone's just rumbling about, man, Cameron's going to change the game. What are they? And it was, he's going to make a stop motion film. His favorite thing, they're going to bring stop motion back. Leica hasn't, you know, hit at this yeah. point. And they're going to, or Leica, no, Coraline comes out the year before. What did they announce? Frankenweenie and Alice in okay. Wonderland. Right, right, okay. And it felt a little bit like he wants to make Frankenweenie. Sure. And Alice in Wonderland is them being like, here's a, a classic piece of like public domain. Do whatever you want with it. Sure. And his big announcement he makes is like, I always had a hard time relating to Alice in Wonderland because it felt like a series of events. It's just meeting a bunch of crazy people, weird little chapters. It's a children's book. And he said, I want to see if I could add an emotional spine to it. Uh What is insane about this movie. (laughs) Ben's mad. Is it literally feels like he went into it with the opposite intent. Where he was just like, I don't know. I just want stuff to happen. That's certainly how the movie is. Right, because it's just a random series of shit happening. Well, he gives it the spine of the, you know... Vorpal sword and the... No, 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 just of the of the real world, of the... She's escaping her married life, and it's a, a, a feminist quest to dethrone one uh, landed aristocrat and replace her with a second she's landed not, aristocrat. She's not just fighting the Jabberwocky, she's fighting the gender binary, David. It, yes, so. right. But it is, doesn't is it she? feel like... <laughs> Where's that again? The beginning and the end feel like they're an entirely different film because once like she lands in Underland, one of the many dumb things this movie does where it's like, she was a kid, she misheard it, it's actually called Underland. But like this is where Tim Burton's like, let's do 5% of like Jan Svankmeyer and 5% of... Hot Topic or what, right, right where it's like let's make it a little weird well but, that was right. the other thing I was going to say and this is why I think Dick Cook who's running Disney uh, films at that point in time goes all in on Tim Burton is like anything you want to make just like please come here is like this is the point where like Hot Topic Nightmare Before Christmas sales yeah, 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 are yeah. becoming like a billion dollar industry in and of themselves right. he's trying to make Disney a little cooler for teenagers Tim Burton seems to be the key to that and you have this movie that like starts like that but I feel like aesthetically Design-wise, this movie does not really look like a Tim Burton movie. 
No. Which no. is odd who because did the production design? Robert Stromberg, who then directs Maleficent. Ugh. Like, this becomes a blank check for him to direct a $200 million Linda Wolverton yeah. revisionist, feminist, quote unquote, sure. Disney adaptation. I kind of like Maleficent. Yeah, Maleficent's way better than I think Maleficent has a good script. I think it's poorly directed. Sure. It's a little yeah. anonymously directed, but Maleficent right. has. Angelina an actual, yeah. making an effort. She's doing Whereas a good job. This has Depp. I, I mean, I don't know. He's making sometimes something. he's Scottish, making a poop. Sometimes, sometimes he's Scottish. Sometimes he's angry. Sometimes he's like a child. Sometimes he's pooping. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a commentary on mental health. No, Maleficent has like a, a like <laughs> the tapes. gender binary and mental health yeah. came under siege from the Vorpal Sword, and fucking Alice just cuts it all in half, and everything's great now. I just think it's such a bizarre choice to go like, okay, the technology exists, 3D exists, we can make a live action Alice in Wonderland like people have never seen before. Sure. First of all, the movie is 98% animated. Sure. That's our first take. Second of all, we're not going to make Alice in Wonderland. We're going to make a sequel to Alice in Wonderland in which she's appearing for the second time. Everyone tells her that she's wrong and she's not the same person. She suddenly forgets everything about when she was there for the first time. And then most of the events play out in the same order as the book. I yeah. love that. Sort of. I love that. Sort of. So well, good. But it's it kind also, of like no, everyone it's having also, deja vu for a movie. No, but then it does the second book for no good Which is reason. Which so weird. Right. Rather than end on the first book, it ends on the second book, the battle between the red and white queen. The first book is the queen of hearts. Yes. They get rid of the queen of hearts. They make the red queen the queen of hearts. Right. And instead they do the second book. And then they add a Jabberwocky. Now, I guess for like an ending. Can I add some context here? Yes, yes. please. Um, which is in you the early 2000s. I'm a big Wizard of Oz fan. Okay. Uh, I love yes. Oz stuff. Uh, in the early 2000s, Tim Burton going to do a pilot called Lost in mm-hmm. Oz, I think for the WB. I sure. And like somebody sent me the script online. I don't know if it's the real script, mm-hmm. but I, from what I remember of reading it when I was 18, it's very similar to this. Interesting. It's a lot of these kids go to Oz and like, I think one of them is Dorothy's descendant. She finds out and like, they have to like work their way toward fighting with whoever's in charge. It's probably Mombi or somebody like that. And a lot um, of like really unnecessary mythology. Yeah, yeah. But it's also like, it's a TV show pilot. So sure. you accept a little bit of that. Right. Um, and it's also like set in like kind of a weird, dark underland type place. Like it, it, it really, I think this is, this he is brought some of those some ideas of forward. Yeah. 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 This does kind of feel like the world's longest TV pilot. Yes. Because it just feels like it's introducing you to a bunch of shit. It's definitely introducing you to shit. Like it introduces you to the white queen. What do we know about the white queen? Well, she's white. Yes. She's real white. Really white. She's got a telescope. lot of white going on. She <laughs> holds her hands up yes. by her shoulders. It's a fun <laughs> performance. No, it is not. No, it is not. No, like it is it. not. It is like no, no, it is not. It's a bad performance. It's a I love Anne Hathaway, but making, what the fuck? She's making some kind of fucking choice. She made one choice to hold and, her hands right that's here. Good. I think I just want to test because right I, I want to believe, knowing the three of you, that we're all going to be in agreement here. I think there is one performance in this film that is thoroughly excellent. I know who you're going to say, and I don't agree. Who do you think I'm going to say? Crispin Glover. No. Okay. No, I think it's a bad performance. I agree. Terrible and I like him a lot. No, the one good performance is Helena Bonham Carter. I think she's pretty good. She's good. She'd be I my agree. pick. She's I, locked I think Wasikowska is doing a really good job, especially when you consider what she, she's up against. She's fine, but she's lost the second she's in Wonderland. Like, uh, she, the movie just gives her nothing. I was like, the reason I went and saw this movie, all my doubts, is I was a big Intrigue Mia Wasikowska fan. Yeah. Right. And I was like, I want to see her be the next. I great loved her actress. in treatment, and yes. I was like, 
can't wait to see what she gets. She to also do. wasn't right. one of those people who was like on Hollywood shortlist. Like it was like she was like a critic's favorite yeah. for a show that I'm was to think like, of like what she'd been pretty in. culty. Yeah. yeah, and then suddenly Tim Burton cast her in this, and it felt like oh, that's like a big anointment. And since sure. then, she's sure. run as far away from this kind of movie as she can, and has had an excellent career, except right. for right. Alice in the Looking Through the looking right. right, right, which like you just have to imagine she couldn't turn down that paycheck. She's like great. Well, I assume she was obliged. She's actually it, right? much yeah. better in Through the Looking Glass. She's, she's got great. a little more to do. She's well, figured out how to And also she's like, thing. she's the active, like where it's like, what's going on? Well, the Mad Hatter's not feeling so good, which is. The Hatter's the matter. <laughs> what you're saying is that the Hatter's the matter. Um, and she has to kind of like march around and sort that of be like. That was the tagline, Ben. The actual the tagline the for the movie was the Hatter's She also, the remember, she has like weird sort of like multicolored pajamas yes. because she's been, she just came back from China. Yeah. I think another film where I like the first 10, 15 minutes of that movie the best. I like the Sasha Baron Cohen stuff. The, the I, rest yeah, of it, yeah. I could sort of take her leave. I think the stuff with her on the ship is fun. I think yeah. the way Burton shoots Wazakowska, especially in Underland, is kind of creepy throughout. She feels very fetishistic. Yeah. In yeah. how, yeah. All the dress stuff. Now, I, and I'll say Alice this. in Wonderland is a fetishy book written by 100%. a pervert. Sure. Yes. Like, yes. So obviously, it's in the text. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to summon it out of the text, right. but it is in there. But this movie is like, it's weirdly kinky in the places you don't want it right. to be. And then it removes the kink from the places where it actually could have been interested. You guys have talked a lot about how Burton is not a particularly a sexual. She's a little afraid no. of sex. Yeah, yeah. But right. like, certainly of depicting it on screen. That scene when she's very large mm -hmm. and there's like small men who come up to her. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's Tim Burton's thing. Right. So, you're like, this a pale woman a crushing him between her hands. <laughs> right. Like, that's what he wants. Right. So. She is so pale in this way. I know she's I was a pale say, she's woman. She's a very pale person. This was the first time I'd ever seen her in a movie. And looking back at this now, I'm like, you're telling I, me you didn't see Amelia. Fuck. Apparently she she's young Amelia. Amelia. Okay. I don't know. Um, watching this now, having spent a, a decade watching excellent work for Mia Wasikowska, I was like, Oh shit! I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't have a frame of reference. He actually made her more pale in this movie. He did. Oh, and for he sure. puts the dark makeup around her eyes. Everyone's pale in this one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what he did to Anne Hathaway, but he like coated her in chalk. And um, it's also it's impossible to do these fucking movies where like here's an insane thing: the shooting schedule for this movie was apparently thirty days all in. They spent Jesus. like two weeks shooting the live action I guess that stuff. makes sense because like how much screen time does Johnny Depp actually have? Not that much. Like it's mostly just like a few monologues where he's like, oh, God, I'm Scottish like, now. On <laughs> one hand, you know? it's weird that the Mad Hatter is in this much of the movie because like the Mad Hatter, I feel like is a character that everyone remembers and likes, but he's not like an integral like He's in part. one scene. Why is right, Raven exactly. writing that? It's just the fucking tea party. Yeah. Like the queen is like he a comes big back thing. in the second book. Right. The queen's a little more, but they've they've fucked with the queens. But when they announced this movie, they're mashing the queens up. When they announced this movie, they were like, "Tim Burton's going to make a big 3D Alice in Wonderland." People were like, "Oh, what is Johnny Depp going to play the Mad Hatter?" And I remember being like, "That wouldn't make sense. It's like too small of a role for him." And then, of course, this movie becomes Johnny Depp above the title. His face is the poster, Alice in right. Wonderland. Watch me drink tea. Yeah, and like the Alice character poster is her little yeah. by um the teacup. Whereas like the Johnny Depp like, poster she's not is even like big. his fucking face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you had the, um, I remember when they dropped the Helena look. Yeah. You were kind of like, oh, that's fun. They're using CG to make her, to like warp her. Mm -hmm. And like, I haven't seen that a lot of like That is one of the before. things I like in this movie. Kinda and cool. you go like, I would like this movie more if he was shooting practically and augmenting with CGI. For sure. Because that effect still plays kind of fun. I think it's great. And it feels like the kind of loopiness you want out of a live action Alice in Wonderland movie where it's like, these are tangible tactile things. 
but you've distorted the perspective of them. Yes, the White Queen. <laughs> um, there she is. There's the White Queen. Uh, Anne Hathaway, it's sort of a big moment for her too, right? She's sort of a big star at this point. She's got yeah, her first Oscar know. nomination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a proven box office thing. Um, Crispin Glover, though. Yes. He's also being CG augmented, right? His to sort entire, of stretch him out. So this is another example of just like them being like, that stuff's easy, right? His, it's not even that he's CGI augmented. His body is fully animated. It's just fake. It's right. not motion captured. No, it's just like, but like, is it just to elongate him? Is that the Correct. idea? And you go, what's the fucking? But he's point only here? a little elongated. Correct. So it's one of those things that the whole time he's on screen, you're like, what's up with him? Like, is there something up with him? And you're also like, why does his head feel disconnected from his body? <laughs> because the, oh, it's, sorry, no, ahead. it's just insane. They shot him on live action sets. And then we're just like, cool, and let's erase his body and then hire animators to do whatever they want with his physical positions. kind of looks like the Fred Claus version of Slender Man. He kind like. of does. <laughs> he kind of does. I think Fred Claus would have been a worthy addition to this movie, and I think it's time for us to talk about it. I, it's weird that no one has oh, revived no, the Fred Claus uh, brand. That's 20 minutes from now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we'll get to okay, that. Okay, we'll okay, to okay. Can we'll you, I'm going to gonna actually set a timer. <laughs> yeah. So there's shit like that where you're just like, what's the point, right? It, it only makes the thing feel uncomfortable to have CGI, noodle body, Crispin Glover in a way that's so subtle that you can't even tell what they're gaining from doing it. Whereas Helena Bonham Carter, you're like, I get it. I get and it. this is worth the money and it looks kind of cool. Right. right. So they, it's sort of like you see the good and the bad. They do it. It's less effective, but they do that to make Johnny Depp's eyes bigger in this movie. Ugh. But you're like, that type of principle is the kind of thing I'd like them doing building sets. I don't know if you noticed this, but the Hatter in this movie? He's mad. He's a little mad. You know where that comes from, right? Yeah, the Mercury. Every, every English person knows that because it's like, grew up in England, Jesus fucking Christ. The look mm. he gives me. Okay, David, that's kind of cruel that you didn't give me the chance. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that I didn't give you the chance to torment me like a cat with a mouse. It's totally fine. Let's uh, reset. <laughs> reset. Todd, reset. Okay. Uh, you guys know the thing about the Mad Hatter, right? Where that comes from? Oh, yeah. Um, it's uh, hat makers. Uh, they used to use mercury yeah. to stiffen their brims. David, do you? Their, uh, not brims, but like the. Made them a little crazy. Right. Yeah. But do it you... would make them crazy. Right. So you guys know that. Definitely, <laughs> David, you're being quiet. Do you know that? Yeah, it's something every English person knows. It's like a commonly recited. Okay, why okay, are but you saying Why do you know that? It doesn't make any sense. Whoa! Years. Did you know he's so Thank you. committed to this bit? He's a fine actor. That when I first knew him, he would stay up in the middle of the night and pretend to be from England online. No one right. has this level I of I would be up at like four in the, the morning. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have so, to change his IP address to yeah. mask it yeah, to make exactly. it seem like yeah, he, had a VPN he was typing from Straight and Big Ben. Mm -hmm. God, I used to stay up so late just to be on fucking Oscar you've talked about, you, you. That's why I have the bags. That's what you say, is yeah. that the bags under your eyes are a permanent effect of you spending time on the Oscar Of me Oscar. sleeping for four hours like... A, a, day, a night for like four years or whatever. I was just that goddamn entertaining. And when I got yeah, to college, there was that moment where it's like, oh, I can just sleep until 1 p.m. You know, like I don't, no one's making oh, me wake sure. up anymore. Like, yeah. And then, then I got back into the old full sleep situation. <laughs> Love that. My thing was like, I mean, I spent a lot of time message for it, but my thing was like TV. When mm. it was like, oh, Adult Swim exists, sure. Comedy Central airs sure. weird things after midnight, Conan doesn't start until 12.30, and then I just never slept a normal time I again. realized the other day the only flame war I've ever gotten to online was about uh, the TV show Party of Five in the late 90s uh -huh. when I was a teenager. So uh, that was on a message board. Okay. Right? Good memories. We've all had a flame war or two. Ben, were you ever a message board guy? No. Never? No. 
You lived the message boards. You you live in a tactile analog world. I was I was burning uh, boards of a abandoned <laughs> house. Planks of wood. Yeah. Um. So the take on this movie is Alice doesn't want to get married. She's no. a weird girl. Her father tells her it's okay to be unusual. Martin Sokas. I think that seems kind of sweet. Yeah, that seems fine. Lindsay Duncan's good in this. Francis Delator is good oh, in this. You know what? I did get a uh, an anarchist cookbook PDF on a message board one time. <laughs> well, thank you. You thank went you. to message boards to ask for the PDF? Yeah. Because you I didn't want to buy the book. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah I tracked it right. down. Yeah. yeah. That rules. She doesn't want to get married. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she sees the white rabbit. Yes. So she runs off. No, who's no, the guy who plays Hamish? Tony Bill. Great, great, great. Um, he's fun in this. Great face. Leo right. Bill. I'm Good enjoying. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm enjoying all the performances in this for the first ten plus minutes. I think you got a uh, Tim Pickett Smith is yeah. the uh, the step. You know, the, I, the I like father-in-law. All of this a lot, and Girl I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh, maybe Tim Burton should have made Jane Eyre, but like a straight laced <laughs> version. You know, (laughs) but I'm at it. Like maybe you should have taken like a gothic kind of like, you know, book and not done a Tim Burton version of it, but tried to like, maybe that's how he could have grown if he's out of personal statements. Maybe he has to apply his vision to other worlds, you know, but not the the Tim Burton take on that world. Uh, uh, But but then because what it's true, because like what you said, and it's in here, it's like Burton developed the story because he never felt an emotional cry to the original book. Maybe let someone develop it who has an emotional tie right. to the original book. Maybe they've got some emotion that will they'll pour into the movie. But it's, the first 10 minutes, I'm like, this is a decent setup of like, yeah, okay, yeah. she keeps on since she was a little girl. She has what everyone tells her are nightmares about Wonderland. They tell her that was a weird dream, but she's never really gotten over it. Now well, it's like 10 years later, six years later, whatever. She's trying, you know, they're trying to force her into polite society. She never fits. There's that moment when she's dancing with Leo Bill. Yeah. And he says, like, where are, where are you? Like, where's your head right now? And she yeah. was like, I was thinking about clouds. Isn't it bizarre? Yeah. And I'm she, like, this she's is... thinking about painting roses red. And right. And I'm like, stuff. this is kind of a fun character. And you're setting up this I thing. I like the mom talking about blockages. Yeah. And everyone's, like, told her that she's crazy and that this thing that she remembers yeah. isn't true. Yeah. No, we get it. I got to say, it. though, Alice's stand-up set, what if men wore dresses and what if people could fly, <laughs> just doesn't really work for me. She's got to work. Well, for me also, it just feels like a little rigid. She should have loosened it up, made it a jazz set. I think that's what would have really made it sing. But then what drives me crazy, this is when I start to go like, what the fuck is this movie doing? She falls down the hole. The hole looks like a butthole. It's CGI butthole. Yeah. Right? And she's like, yeah, that whole thing sucks. Right. And then immediately she goes, oh, this isn't real. I'm dreaming again. Sure. So it's one of those things where you set up for the first 10 minutes, a character who believes what happened to her and everyone tells her she's crazy. And you want to see that character be vindicated by returning to Wonderland, getting the affirmation that it's real, mm. and and being able to save the place that she once lived, right? Instead, this movie goes, we don't need you. No, you're just- she goes, this is a dream. Sure. And they go, there's vaguely a war happening, but with very little urgency. You're, you're, yeah, exactly. You're you're demanding a story. The movie, once she falls down the hole, there's no story. I'm demanding they pick a lane because I am totally fine with them making a live-action Alice in Wonderland where it's, here's a series of vignettes. Are but, you totally fine with that? Yes, if they own that it's a vignette thing and every vignette doesn't end with, you must claim the sword. Yeah. It doesn't aim with the fake posturing of we're creating a Lord of the Rings-style battle. What's weird is that every attempt to give this more of a story ends with like, well, Alice has got to fight the Jabberwocky and get the Vorpal sword sure. to do that. And right. Like, I get why you do that, but like, the, what the fuck, you know? This movie vaguely tries to pin a like chosen one narrative, a like prodigal they daughter They show her returns. like a scroll where she's killing the Jabberwocky. But then it's also like everyone has amnesia. I think the idea... 
this is barely a defense, but of them rejecting her is like, I guess, to add a, an element of mystery to that scroll. Because otherwise it would just be like, that's you. You're going to kill a Jabberwocky. But I also hate that she immediately and they're goes. And like, is that you? And she's like, I don't know. I hate that she immediately goes, oh, this is just a dream. So none sure. of this matters. It robs the movie of all suspense, of and all, all agency. intrigue. Yeah. Right. Then the character has nothing going on. She's just like, I'm going to ride this out. She just, she just wanders from scene to scene. She gets yeah. she's shuttled denying around the movie the whole provisions. time. But right. I mean, in the book, it is a dream. Right. And, you know, at the end of Through the Looking Glass, she wakes up and she realizes that one of the cats was the red queen and the other one was the white queen. And like, it's supposed to be like, oh, a reverie, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I guess they're sort of paying homage. Again, I'm doing the thing where I'm like, is this a defense? I guess that's the but defense. But this is where I get into like my biggest gripe at this movie, which is like, it's a sequel that also kind of wants hate to just it. repeat yes. everything. Well, you've mentioned this. Because here's a take, and I'm not saying any of us would like this movie, but here's a cleaner version of the movie they're trying to make. Alice never gets over this bad dream. Everyone tells her she's crazy. She spends six years feeling disconnected from polite European society, right? Mm -hmm. She falls down the hole again. It's a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Sure. They go, we've been waiting for you. Why didn't you come back? Sure. And, and she they're has all to huddled together. It, right. And she has to like lead them on a rebellion. Well, here's the actual Instead, this plot. movie is, I'm going to very slowly wander around, meet right. everyone one at a time. Everyone's going to go, no, I don't think you're Alice. She's going to go, cool, well, it doesn't matter because I'm dreaming. <laughs> and in the last 30 Where minutes, she gets next? the sword and she fights. I right. do want to ask, was Tim Burton one of the people who tried to adapt the Lucky McKee game Alice in the late 90s? Okay, so well, that's the question. other thing I was thinking of. Yeah. Everyone kept on saying that he was... And I think Lucky McKee kept on saying, I want to try to do it as a movie. I want Tim Burton to do it. I think Wes Craven was going to do it for a while. Okay. All right. But this movie has a lot of similarities with that game. And the whole, like, Twisty. Alice needs to become a warrior and defeat the Jabberwock comes straight out of that game. Yeah. Which feels like one of the six things they're pulling from. Right, right. American McKee. Ah. Yes. Lucky McKee is um, May. Oh, That right, movie, right. May. Yep. I was, I was, that was, I just had to look it up. I'm sorry. Um, I never I remember got that my game, though. question answer, which is what which is, is a classic twisted Alice in Wonderland. Right. One of the first, like, this video game's made by an auteur. Right. Like, he right, put his right. name on it. Like, this like guy's Sid vision. Mayer. Except right. Sid Mayer's thing was like, what if you could have a railroad? Right. <laughs> like, not a story to a Sid Mayer. Chugga, chugga, choo choo. Uh, here's a, my, my question I, I never got answered. What is the only capital G great performance in this movie? I think Helena Bonham Carter is very good, but yeah. there's one performance that is immaculate in this film. Francis Delatour. I don't know. The pig. Timothy Spall as Bayard the dog. <laughs> All right. Well, I have. I he have is a couple. so in the pocket in this movie. <laughs> I have one thing to Bayard say. Bayard rolls. He's the Sidley the spy jet of Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> now, you saying. America this had jet, Bayard favor. I'm doing my congressman again. This jet, his butt opens up and the cause can go inside. Does he feel pain? I ask you, Senator. <laughs> no. Um, does Sidley have a rumbly in his tummy when the characters are speaking? I have no problem with Timothy Spall's voice work as the fucking dog. Bayard, his name is Baird the dog and show some respect. Here's my problem. That dog looks like shit. Even by the visual effects standards of this movie, he looks unfinished. All of it looks He looks like the Scorpion King. Bad. No, no, this looks worse. Like where he has no hair that moves. He's just like he's smooth even though he like has hair on his but body. this is one of those movies where it's just no, like, they don't- No, him worse. Him worse. I'm not, I can't look at I'm it. I'm not denying that. What I'm saying is, this is one of those movies where they were just like, this is too much for any one movie to render. Like, there's too much shit. 
Mm. And the special effects people were apparently having just nervous breakdowns all the time. Look at this. Look at this shit. Yeah, but remember what he sounds like. Look at this shit. He looks like a dog who's being made into a glove. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he looks like he's been vulcanized. The whole movie Look was shit. Fat. Hey, Ben, I did you watch it. this movie? Yeah, it fucking sucks. <laughs> I hated this movie. I stayed up last night watching this. Did you watch it when it came out or you? No. 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 No, I took one look at it and I could tell it was a piece of trash. It is filth. This movie is pure, disgusting, Seriously, toxic waste. I my this is what I think. I think Tim Burton sold his soul to the devil. And, these and this last was the devil movies, like knocking on his door, yes, being like, yeah, it's, it's time. time to pay. <laughs> this is bad. I think and Burton was is, like, do I have to do the sequel? And he was like, no, I wouldn't make you do the sequel. Jesus. Come on. I think but I'm but I'm not even I have limits. Right. <laughs> I know, I know most people, guy. I know most people choose Planet of the Apes. I think this is his worst movie. Oh, this is by 100% hundred percent. Do you think this movie. is worse than Planet of the Apes? Yes, of course. Planet of the Apes this is, is at least maybe super the weird. worst film we've ever discussed on this podcast. And it's also one of the five most successful movies we've ever discussed on this uh, podcast. Sure. Right, right. And well, it's certainly his number one. So number yeah. two is, how do you know? Right? No. How do you know it was in the no, nowhere near the bottom? What's Elizabeth the one Town. That was Elizabeth Town. Oh. Suicide. No, no. The one you're thinking of is um, uh, uh, You Are the Best. Yeah. <laughs> that one's low. Uh, I'll do anything. <laughs> that one's I'll low. Do anything. So, but you hated that one because you were stressed out that day. I was having a moment. There was a moment. And I was saying, You kicked us out of the studio furiously sure after did. that episode. And we had to record <laughs> two episodes the on that. Movie. And then we had to watch a longer, yeah. hard to watch, both <laughs> yeah. dramatically uh, and literally the visual. Visuals, good yeah. reminder. Yeah. But I had said Brooks deserves to go to jail for that movie. Uh-huh. Tim Burton should be sent to space. <laughs> he should be for spaced. This. He should be spaced. <laughs> no, should he be sent to space like in a pod that no, he can breathe just, in, or it's like an airlocking? Oh, right. Just, yeah, he's just, just frozen, floating around like a Pericles pod. Yes. He's like tucked in there yeah. in a monkey-sized pod. Todd, can, I mean. I want to. I want to hear you get off the leash, David the Dog style, far, 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 Bayard style, what, Bayard style, woof woof, Bayard style. What What are the things that make you irate in this film? Like, give me your your fire and brimstone. Oh God! Well, you know, the only thing that really makes me mad is when people don't understand that the main character of Last Man Standing is a vlogger. Yep. But uh, <laughs> important. <laughs> but, you don't know this, but Todd aimed a magnum at my head, and <laughs> I didn't know that. And, he and it's still it. there. Yeah, right. And Griffin talked him into uncocking it, but he's still pointing it <laughs> yeah. at me. Right. There's an indent on David's forehead from the pressure. <laughs> now, I, when I watched this movie, I was watching it on the plane here, okay. uh, which you guys so generously paid for. Of blank course. check air. Uh, <laughs> right. And uh, I was sitting next to someone and I kept angling away from them like I was watching porn because you I was so that. embarrassed right, right. to be watching this movie in the year 2019. <laughs> it is crazy to think about so, if I saw someone watching this movie <laughs> yeah. on a plane now, yeah. I would be like, are they in? They like might have escorted simpleton? you off the plane. <laughs> yeah. I would literally be like, this person must be like, Sick, and it's the only movie they can watch. Also, maybe the worst place to watch this movie. Sure. And they were watching 13 Going on 30 on their little monitor. Sure. And I was like, boy, Jennifer Garner's good in that movie. Boy, movie. Gr- and I had to like keep forcing uh, yeah, myself to watch. Right. Yeah. It is an ugly ass movie to look it is. at. It is. The process of the story is literally just like sitting in a studio notes meeting and having like an yeah. executive be like, I don't know. What if the white queen had a sword? <laughs> what if like the crown could float around because the Cheshire? Every decision is contradicted by a different decision. Sure. Every scene sets new story goals. Uh Uh, Alice has no character arc, despite the fact that it's supposed to be about like 
her feminist realization of right. herself. It does truly feel like exquisite corpse style. The live action bookends and the animated stuff in the middle were made by different people who were in no communication yes. with each other. <laughs> yes. Like different scripts, different production teams. Yeah. And, and to top it all off, when I saw this movie, I was trying to make friends with some people that I worked with. Tim Burton. Because I worked at Johnny the Depp. census. Yeah. yeah, Johnny. I worked at the census at the time and they were like, let's go see Alice in Wonderland. And we went and saw it and we came out of it and I was like, boy, that was a piece of shit. And they were like, we all really liked it. Ooh. And then like, I didn't get to have friends because of this movie. Because I preemptively was like, what a bad movie. But uh, I did get the fudder whacking out of it. I used to just send that to people I worked with in the middle of conversations. And uh, yeah. So my, my sister, Emily, uh, you know, uh, much younger than me. Sure. So when she was growing up, I was like, I'm going to inundate her with all the things that I love the most. Right. And she, because she grew up in a household that was, uh, that I strong armed my way into being the third parent of. Yeah. Uh, grew up a big Tim Burton fan. Right. Uh, she called him Tim Burton. It would be an event when I would take around and see a Tim Burton movie. She saw this one with friends at a sleepover. And I said, how is it? And she said, it's okay. There's one thing at the end that's maybe the worst thing I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> and for 10-year-old Romley to say that, I went, oh, fuck. <laughs> right. Where, like, if she's saying Even it's, her critical faculties were like, this is no good. Right, and she wasn't saying it in a snarky way. Like, right. she was just like, there's one thing at the end where I don't understand why they would do that. Right, right, it's, right. It, I didn't like it, and it's the worst thing I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> And immediately when it happens, you just go like, what the fuck is this? But it's also the weirdest checkoff gun in the world because it takes maybe like 30, 40 minutes to get to Mad Hatter, right? Sure. Then they get there. Then what's fun about the Mad Hatter is, oh, these people nothing. are like- No, nothing, nothing. I'm sorry. What's fun about the Mad Hatter in the original text- sure. It's crazy. Right? Why is it raven like a wedding guest? The McGillicuddy, right? He's bouncing <laughs> off the walls. Sure. Right? And the 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 Dormouse and the Mad Hare and all of them are March throwing hair. shit, March Hare. They're all wacky. And Johnny Depp's take on the Mad Hatter is- Either he seems like a traumatized child or he becomes weirdly violent. Sure. He's never fun. No. And he never feels like wacky. Like Not he either really. feels like victim. He's either melancholy victimized, or he's like, or like he's going to victimize someone else. Sure. Right. When he goes into those weird like Joker voice like right. the Jabberwocky. Yes. Right. So uh, they uh, uh, immediately. What was the fucking point I was going to make? Oh, uh, they, they offhand reference the futter whacking. Right. They go like, remember, he used to be fun. He's lost his will to live. He doesn't even do the fodder whacking anymore. And she's like, what What the fuck is the fodder? Like, she's like rubbing her temples and she's like, J out with it. What's the fodder whacking? <laughs> right, right. And it's like, it's the celebratory dance you can only do when uh, peace is restored to the kingdom. Then they just leave that thing on the sure. table for an hour and a half. All of us forget about it because no, we want to they, forget. It is the only narrative thread they track in they this occasionally fucking movie. Will be, like, the Cheshire Cat has the thing that's like, I love to see you fodder whacking. Like, <laughs> But they make it seem like that's going to be the great victory of the film. Sure. And then he well, does like CGI crumping. <laughs> <laughs> For like 20 seconds. Yeah. He's sort of like. It feels like an eternity. It does. Uh, it's sort of like the ring. Like once you look on it, like your brain gets like lesions that can't be removed. Um, and like this is supposed to be like a victory lap for the around? movie. Yeah. The script. I mean, sorry. The score kind of goes like. You know, like, like it's sort of like half-hearted. Like, nothing like the rest of the score at all. It no, just like no. breaks into like a modern pop. Because Elfman sure. is otherwise doing a a totally serviceable generic, <laughs> incredibly sort of, generic. Is that dance say? for kids though? Do kids like that? That's one of those things where you're no, like, I, I don't know. This feels like it's out of like a Wiggles video or something. <laughs> well, also you're cutting to you're cutting from him futterwhackening uh -huh. to like Alice who has like a wan smile. 
And yes. the white queen who sort of like has her arms lifted and she's sort of like vaguely kind of like, eh, you know, sort of moving back and forth. And you're like, Mia Vostokowska is probably reacting to nothing. I bet she, she never met Johnny Depp. Right. Right. And like the Tweedledum and Tweedledee kind of go like, hey, look, he's, you know, like that. It's not like everyone's like, yay. Or there's some like crowd of people cheering. Another, just kind of like, oh, he's funny. should just cut to Yubnub. From the they should have done Return of the Jedi. Of course. Here's another crazy thing. Do you know that for this movie, they put Matt Lucas in a green, like, fat suit to have the egg-shaped body, then put him on stilts in the green screen space with Mia Vasakowska, but didn't use it as motion capture reference? Okay. They just had him in that extremely physically uncomfortable state, shoot all of his scenes, and then they were like, cool. And here's just raw assets of his face. Stretch it onto the most horrifying looking creature ever imaginable <laughs> and then copy paste it and place right. it next do, to himself. Just do two. Right. There's all this shit where they had the actors act all the shit out and then like. Look at her dancing. Look at this shit. Look at her. Look at the, the laziest fucking dancing I've ever Look seen. Look how bad his dancing is. He twists around. That's what it is, right? It's like he can he can twist around. And this weird gray bleak. Yeah, what is this? That right, wiki that I linked to. This fucking mist background. It looks yeah. like a Mortal Kombat level. The wiki that I linked to, did it still have the name of the actual dancer in an entirely different font from the rest of the page? It, it, it did, yes. But I have to alert everyone. What's his name? Uh, David <laughs> Bernal. Mikhail <Barishnikov>? <laughs> <laughs> Um I have to alert everyone. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's time for us to talk about Fred. So Claus. Paul Giamatti's <laughs> fucking locked in in Fred Claus. Yeah, he is, but it's a weird performance because, of course, like Paul Giamatti is Catholic, but he reads so Jew culturally that right. it feels like this Santa is too nebbishy. That having been said, he's the one person who's finding the right comedic wavelength for the movie. Right. His makeup is very strange. Yes. Because they don't make his face rounder; they just make his beard huge, but then his hands are very chubby. Like, he's got, like, pointedly fat fingers in it. I watched it recently. I watched Why? it this Christmas. I've been fighting a lot of insomnia recently. <laughs> and I just go down a rabbit hole of, like, no pun intended, what's the worst thing I could watch that Jesus might make me surrender Christ. and my body will just Why don't you watch, like, some kind of, like, sort of very sleepy art movie, like a Kiarostami movie I do that something. sometimes. Right. And it doesn't work. And then I go, like, opposite end, like, let the pendulum sure. swing, watch right. Fred Claus. A couple of days Jack. before Christmas, yeah. my wife and I, both very busy people, finally had a night off together, and I spent that flipping between Fred Claus and the family man. And anyway, we're getting a divorce now. <laughs> the end of that story. Had but, you ever seen Fred Claus in its entirety before? Uh, I had not. Yeah. I had seen the family man in its entirety. Yes. But, yeah. Uh, Fred Claus is demented. I have uh, never seen Fred Claus. Fred Claus is peak Vince Vaughn thinking, I can just do whatever I want. People love me. Like that. They, peak it, he got a $20 million pair play concept, a <laughs> uh, pair play contract off the concept. Vince Vaughn is Santa Claus's brother. Like he and David Dobkin walked in and were like Vince Vaughn and Santa Claus's brother. And they're right. like, cool, here's 20 million now, whether or not we make the movie, we sure. just need to pay you a kindness for giving us this Thank gift. Thank you. Thank you. Rachel uh, Weiss is in it. Kathy Bates is in it. Miranda Richardson is in it. America's favorite funny man, Kevin Spacey is in it. Ludacris is in it. Elizabeth Banks is in it. John Michael Higgins is in it. I have never seen uh, the motion picture Fred Claus. All right, now back to Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Do you know that Fred Claus has a scene in which Fred has to go to a meeting of Brothers Anonymous, which is brothers yeah. oh, who it's are like dealing- brothers of, of legendary creatures? Frank like- Stallone. Oh, fucking hell. All right. Stephen Baldwin. All right. Roger Clinton. Mm-hmm. And Fred Claus. Sure. And everyone is like going on their spiels about like. But how did they get Roger Clinton to do it? That was I mean, all over the marketing, right? All over the marketing. Right. And then. 
Stallone was free? Frank Stallone was free. <laughs> he had space in his schedule? Like, well, you know, it used to be good. You know, things were fine. We were on the same level. And then Rocky comes around. Like, they never have any of them identify themselves by name. Sure. They just make references to the big credits that their brothers had. Then my brother was elected president. Truly, truly. That's like the in joke they And they're like, Fred, you've never spoken before. And he's like, well, uh, you know, my brother's uh, Santa Claus. And then everyone gets irate at him. They're like, you're making fun of us? Fucking Santa Claus isn't real. I got to deal with real... Alec Baldwin. There is an intense mythology about how Fred Claus Thank is you. immortal in Fred Claus. Okay. Like how he's an how- immortal man who's yeah. always been like a 40-something Chicago schlub. <laughs> they have to justify why he's the same age as Santa Claus and didn't sure. get any magical abilities. Yeah. And what's the reason? It's something to do with like they both were like Fred was cursed and yeah. Santa was blessed, something like that. And uh, yeah, but at the end he has to deliver all the toys because it's a Santa Claus right, movie. Cursed so. with a, a silver tongue, gift of the gab. Guy's <laughs> uh, a motor mouth. What's the movie that I just saw? Oh yeah, no, it was True Detective. True Detective was the one that bled Vince Vaughn of the motor mouth. It's gone now. Yes, he like talks he, slowly he can't now. reclaim it anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, Alice in Wonderland. She goes to the tea party. I don't know. Fucking no. Yeah, I mean this. The, the thing is, it is a series Here's of the events. Plot. She shows up. They're like, you're Alice. I'm not Alice. What, you know, Much like in forth. the original book, she wanders through the forest. She comes across another person. They talk for two minutes. They go, well, yeah, don't forget it. You're not Alice. Or, and then in she the movie, wanders they do and that. finds right, another. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She sees the caterpillar and Alan Rickman. He's like, Meh. moves on. She ends up at the tea party. She moves on. Okay, the tea party. Uh, everyone's crazy. Hatter's like, you're definitely Alice, which is unusual. Hypothetically, Everyone else is just denying that she's Alice. Hypothetically, isn't the fun of this concept of doing a sequel that she doesn't have to meet everyone again and she can just live in Griffin, a world where all of them communicate with each other? You're on the record other? that you don't like it's a sequel. We, we, we got it. We have that. It's on the, it's been ent- written into the record. But they all start helping each other. I mean, there's the dumb thing where the Cheshire cat steals the hat. And when the hat starts flying at the guillotine, I was like, oh, fuck. Is the hat magical now? Are they going to make the hat a character? <laughs> um, Matt Hatter walks her over to a castle and yeah. sort of flings her over on the hat. She does a hat flight. She, and there's some castle business. She gets too big. We got the, the Red Queen. The Queen likes her because the Queen likes things that are disproportionate. I kind of like the Red Queen stuff. I like that everyone is elongating themselves in some way yeah. to match her head. Yeah, it's a and good like that's actually kind of subtle that like they have right. yeah, that yeah. they, that don't, they, they have don't have a one explain thing. It. Right. right. Then they do explain it later. But you know, yeah. like uh she likes to put her feet on a pig. Yeah. The castle's an eyesore, her whole kingdom's an eyesore, but her performance is fun and you're at least watching two actors who are both locked in talking to each other. Yeah, kind of. Right. And then it becomes about the then it's like if you defeat the Jabberwocky, the White Queen will be in you charge. You restore the kingdom. But they predict the ending. Yeah, they it's have on that a scroll. Fucking scroll. So who cares? It's a chosen one. Yeah. Narrative. And also, is the White the Queen good? She seems like a white supremacist to me. She's in like a white kingdom with yeah. white people. She's also like a necromancer. <laughs> I don't like her. Yeah, she's fright- frightening. That weird flashback. She can't move her hand. She's like John McCain, where he look, like couldn't like bend his shoulders or whatever. She's just got one her hands of them up. Is wearing a MAGA hat in the background. <laughs> In the kingdom, I swear to God. There is. That's the post credit scene is the Mad Hatter just making MAGA hats. He's over the mill. <laughs> You're right. Uh, these will sell. Um, uh, and then she finds the jet. I guess there's the execution scene. Right. Because they're going to kill the Mad Hatter. He's going to make some hats at oh, one point. Right. And that, right, he, he wins over the favor of the queen because he says he can make hats for her. But then she doesn't like the hat. So then she wants to execute him. Well, she also realizes that he's in league with Alice. Right. Yeah. 
every so often people just start speaking nonsense languages, which yes. is in keeping with Lewis Carroll, sure, but like, you know, nonsense. Um, but I, I, I do. The thing I hate about this is Alice just like is friends with people immediately yes. because Everyone she's kind of tolerates read her. the book but or also something. they're both antagonistic sure. to each other like she's yeah. like you're not real this is a dream and like they're she, like fuck you you're a phony then she's really like oh I gotta save the Mad Hatter because he's played by Johnny Depp it's right like, why do you care about any of these people why does anyone care about anyone in this universe right um she puts on a suit uh, of armor. The, right. She puts on the Kristen Stewart suit of armor from Snow White and the Huntsman. I forget that might have come after this. I can't remember. Yeah, but they look exactly the same. Is Christopher Lee, is this his last performance ever? God, what a depressing thought. Because this is one of those where it kind of sounds like he's on oxygen. Didn't he pop I up mean, in The Hobbit movies? Did he? He did. He is in one of them, I think, actually. At the beginning of the where first he's one. he's like, I'm Saruman, but... Right now I'm fine. Yeah. Later I'm going to be a real pain. Saruman the okay. Yeah, he's actually in two Hobbits. Jeez. He's in the first and third. He's also in Dark Shadows and right. Hugo. He had like another 10 years in it. He's fucking unkillable. He died he at like 96, die. right? Uh, he was very old. Also very tall. Um, Famously tall. He died at the age of 93. Wow. Uh, I think his last... Like non-posthumous release is uh, Battle of the Five Armies, the okay. last Hobbit movie. Thank God he didn't end on this. He did end on the Battle of the Five Armies, though, the last Hobbit movie. Uh, you like those movies, I you do. say? I yeah, do. I do. I kind of like them. Okay, I, I'm I'm a little bit of a fan. They're distressed assets, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where it's like no one's speaking up for Hobbit, Look, so I'm like, I'll speak up. For I'm Hobbit. only I'm on the record. I've only seen the first one. I saw it in in high frame rate. I thought it was a fucking nightmare. I want to do Jackson specifically to be able right. to but, see all three of them. But the yeah. high frame rate is um, a barrier. Like yeah. you, you should not watch it in high frame rate. It's one of those things where like ignore the director. Don't I listen. saw it with my father who had never seen no, or read any right. Tolkien and was like, "What the fuck is this?" Well, also it's the first third of a children's book is <laughs> the movie, so it's like you know it just I, have to stretch a little. That yeah. first one is my favorite because it's basically just like a three-hour episode of Cougar Town starring hobbits. <laughs> Like they just hang out and like drink together. It's great. It a lot is. of that. Yeah. And then a couple like of Del Toro monsters movie. show up. It really up. is. It's a bottomless mimosa. It movie. is. I mean, the first hour is breakfast True. and then dishes. That's why I think my dad was like, what the fuck right. is this? The scene where they the extended dishwashing scene right. is wild. He was like, isn't this supposed to have like sword fighting and shit? <laughs> They're like throwing frittatas at each other. Like the end of the movie is them being like, so I guess the mountains that way, like basically. <laughs> I went with my father. We went to this screening that was like one of the first high frame rate screenings. Sure. And I remember we we're walking in and there's a new line like PR person standing outside the theater. And she's like, OK, first screening down. We only had 15 people walk out because of the high frame rate. So I think we're on a pretty good start. <laughs> oh, my God. And they were doing a Q&A afterwards with uh, Fran Walsh, Philippa Boyens, and Peter Jackson. Wow, all And three. I forget who was moderating it, but like the movie ends and the theater is kind of like silent. And the person conducting the Q&A had to be like, so um, how do the three of you write? Do you... <laughs> is it like kind of like take... uh, one page at a time? Yeah. <laughs> and then there were two laugh Someone lines. Someone does the typing. Two laugh lines in the movie. And he was like, so that joke, who wrote that joke? How did you come up with that joke? <laughs> wow. Like he couldn't find things to ask. Well, what's there to ask? Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Go on, oh, I, just, I just was going to say it's an interesting comparison point because Lord of the Rings, there's so much influence of Lord of the Rings yes. on this movie. Right. But there shouldn't be. No, this feels right. Like they redesigned the playing cards for yes. no 
discernible reason so yes. that they look more like orcs or something. Yeah, they're more yes. like armored. Yeah. No, that's what's weird about this because like Snow White and the Huntsman is not very good. No. But you're like, at least that's a better shitty movie. Well, like also, it's just kind of dumb and it's like a bad approximation of sure. Lord of the Rings and whatever who gives a shit. But it also it's like Snow White is a fairy tale. Yes. It's very, very simple. So you can really spin it as many ways as you like. Yeah. Alice is like this odd work of literature. Right. It's a little more specific. Yeah. It's hard to fuck with it. I guess people have. There's the video game. There's the things we've talked about. Yeah. But like, you know, it's not a fairy tale in the same way. Disney got its claws on right. it. But, you know, the movie's good, though. The original. I agree. I love that movie. And even like the old Disney Alice shorts are like some of the first shit Disney ever did. You know, he did yeah, like yeah, the yeah. live yeah, action yeah, Alice yeah. shorts are like great. I mean, there's this history of Alice within the Disney company that I think they want to latch on to. But after this, it becomes, oh, wait a second. What we should do is tie these closer to. I mean, Maleficent becomes the blank check of this movie, mm. except Burton doesn't cash it. They really wanted Burton to direct Maleficent. Sure. He was in talks and then dropped out. Sure. So they hand it to Stromberg, who secretly feels like the person driving this movie. Well, okay. This is my larger question. Yeah. What happened to Tim Burton? I don't know. This is the one where you're like, what happened? What happened? There's no, there's nothing. This is when I finally, this is when I finally kind of turned on. Yeah. I, this, this is the last one I saw in theaters. But you say like going into this at post Alice in Wonderland, you go like, did the guy just get lucky for 10 years and we all fell for it? Rewatching his movies over a short period of time. Do you feel like you have to give him credit for what he did well in the first decade of his career? Right. Right. Like you, I feel like you've come around to being like, you know what? This isn't like a fluke. He did some interesting work. There's clearly a brain there. I basically really like everything from Pee Wee to Sleepy. Right. I don't like Planet of the Apes. Yeah. I'm mixed on Big Fish. Right. Or more mixed than you. I like it okay. Yeah. I guess I'm mixed on Charlie. Don't like Corpse Bribe. Sweeney. I like Sweeney. Me too. I love love Sweeney. Sweeney. Is this the first one after Sweeney? That's right. Fuck. Ah, lovely. I'm a barber. <laughs> I'll does, pull your tooth. It, this movie just becomes like confounding. Come here, Fred Claus. You need a shave. Oh, Claus, you need a shave. <laughs> what if you mashed up Sweeney and Fred? Yeah. Fred V. Sweeney. Fred Todd? He's his brother. Fred He's v. like, I don't know what's up with my brother. Sweeney. My brother's crazy. Don of shaving. Oh, boy. London, what a filthy town. The point is, Maleficent is, I think, the Wolverton blank check of like, I would like to make a Maleficent movie. Sure. And then when that's like, let's really recast this in an entirely different light. Right. It's a take on. Exactly. This is sort of halfway there. She's like, Alice should have more agency. On the Disney version, because Maleficent is such a Disney character. And then after that, they went like, wait a second, what if we just do the animated films again? And now we're moving to this like nexus point where like the films have essentially become like AI, like they become self conscious. (laughs) Where it's just like they re-render the old movie shot for there shot. There will be a hunchback of Notre Dame movie. And they're like, there will? And it's like, <laughs> right. yes, yes, we will make it. Right, like Deep Blue is like making yeah, these yeah. movies now. Can you name for me the three live action remakes from before this one? In the Disney canon? Correct. 101 Dalmatians. Correct. There's a there's a Jungle Book from before this. Correct. Stephen Summers is the Jungle Book, which right. was a Disney production. Yes, and is more off the, the Rudyard, uh, Rudyard Kipling kind of original. Yeah, and it has animals. It right. has like live animals. Right. It's a scary movie because you're like, it, when I, I saw it in theaters, it's scary. Scott Lee that close to that bear. Exactly. Yeah. And then um, the third one, it's sort of, only, it's a sequel. It doesn't really count. It's, you're not 102? 102 Dalmatians. Yeah. Right. They did do a direct-to-video uh, sequel to the the Jungle Book. They did a Mowgli story. Sure, but that, that doesn't count. No. Come on. No. 
Um, anyway, Alice in Wonderland is a piece of shit. She slays the Jabberwocky. It and makes then a she, billion dollars. She goes back and she's made a billion dollars. And yeah, uh, yeah it and makes a like, billion dollars. She's like, I'm not dollars. fucking marrying you. Right. And, and, the, then, and the dad's like, you've humiliated my son in front of all these people. Yeah. Maybe. Do you want to run like a shipping route for <laughs> right. me? And she's like, uh-huh. And he's like, shake on it. But this is the beginning like of the, the end, end. of Disney know. trying to create their own blockbusters. Like, despite the fact that this is like a legacy project based off a public domain thing that Disney has a history yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is trying to make something new. And after this, they're like, cool. Like, live action Disney is just doing nostalgia buttons. Right. But like, also, that's what we're doing. Nostalgia machines. But also, after this, Tim Burton only makes movies that are uh, flops and critical flops. Right. Like, both don't make money and don't get good reviews. Right. This is the movie that made money, but Doc didn't get good right. reviews. And Disney is kind and of so just so what does like, he do nine years later? He does Dumbo. He remakes another Disney movie. And by the way, they have offered him every right. single one of these in between And this Alice is the one Dumbo. where he's clearly like, I guess I should do that. Right. Like rather than like, who cares? Fuck them. Right. I'll make whatever I want. They want him to do Through the Looking Glass. They want him to do Maleficent. They offer him all of these. They wanted right. him to do the, their Pinocchio movie. Like they keep on offering him these sure. things. But this is the one where now it feels like maybe even Burton smells blood in the water and it's like, yeah, no, Dumbo, I'll do Dumbo. And yeah. it'll hit, hopefully. Right? They, I they hope, hope. God, I hope it's just nice. He I hope it's just like a movie. He should just finally do his Oz movie. Like, he, he's clearly got an aesthetic There's that would work. And everyone's forgotten the Raimi one. Yeah. Like, it's not like anyone's worried right, about that. Which is the right. other weird relic of this time. Like, a movie that makes like $220 million. And they're like, we know we can't make a sequel to this. <laughs> I think like, Tim we Burton, know we can't trick people I think Tim Burton should get weird again. He should make a movie about adults or like teens. And it's like, maybe it's like rave culture about goths or just like he should get like back to what ben he's wants good to at. make that movie. Yeah. Have you read the graphic novel black? Is it called black hole? I think that's right. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. My God. The Charles Tim Burton Burns. would be great oh, for that. Which David Fincher was going to do for yeah. a while. It's about like teens who, when they have sex, they start like growing extra eyes and horns right. and that's shit. Oh, shit. you've never read black hole. No, you'd have a good time. All right. you, ben, you'd be I'll make a note. I'm actually going to buy a few. Because I want you to think of me when you're reading. Right. It. Okay. Exactly. It's so good. You're right. That is a perfect thing for him to adapt. There are so many interesting graphic novels that Tim Burton could be making right now. There's so many weird genre films from his childhood. Like he wanted to make like X, the man with the X-ray eyes for a while. You know, they're like weird Corman movies that he could be like making. And when this movie came out, I was like, okay, this thing fucking sucks, but he had a billion dollar hit. At least his next film is going to be something straight from the heart. Mm. Like he has such a big blank check. Right. And instead he kind of shrugs and goes to Johnny Depp and's like, I don't know, what do you want to do? And Johnny Depp's like already putting on his fucking Dark Shadows cosplay. Mm. Like that's the real bummer of this movie. Sure. Is that you're it breaks like, them all. what if this was means to an end to get him making a personal film on a grand canvas again? And instead he's like, I don't know, I don't really have anything left to say. Um, Alice in Wonderland yeah. came out on March 5th, 2010. Gross, an absurd amount of money. A day that will live in infamy. <laughs> $116 million. That's correct. The, uh, the biggest non-sequel ever. Coming uh, up on its 10th anniversary. Although yeah. it is kind of a sequel. We are right. coming up on its 10th anniversary. But kind of to a movie that didn't exist. Um, number two at the box office was also a new film. Ooh. A crime Ooh. drama. A crime drama. Set in one of the five boroughs. One of the five boroughs. Now burrows. think of the movie Gotti if you forget what the five boroughs are. Yeah, Because they're named in it. He welcomes us to the five boroughs. <laughs> um, but uh, wait, have you seen Gotti? I forget. You know there's a scene where Stacey Keach just names the five boroughs. Yes, right? I do. Okay. You got all five boroughs. Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, Staten Island, 
and the Bronx. <laughs> you close them, makes a fist. Yeah. That's that's what he says. Uh, he literally, he he cites off the boroughs. Right. In, to John Gotti, who's a New Yorker. Right. In the way that, like, they have to explain to Alice in this movie, like, the Vorpal Sword holds all the power. Does right. he pull up list of boroughs of New York City on Wikipedia? Yeah. Yes. Right. He does. Like, okay, yeah. what do we got here? Alphabetical order. Right. Okay, Brooklyn. All but right, he recites them with the deliberate and, and like, laser-focused slow pace of someone who has to, like, unload dense mythology <laughs> onto the viewer. Right. In the beginning, there was darkness, and out of the darkness came... The Bronx. <laughs> well, this one's not set in the Bronx. Okay. Where's it set? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Is it Brooklyn's finest? That's right. Anton Fuqua, baby. One of the 15 Anton Fuqua movies. In between. Movies will surprise you where you're like, who directed that? And he, Anton Fuqua will sort of burst through the door and be like, I did. <laughs> you can't believe it, but I directed that one too. Well, the other King Arthur, that was me. The other weird thing is Fuqua's been on kind of like a hot streak. He, he, he makes money. Right, I mean, this was this mid-period where he was kind of dipping. This was. And you're uh, like, I not, guess Fuqua's not. out. But then like Olympus Has Fallen makes hit. 100. Equalizer. Hit. hit. Equalizer Southpaw. 2. Hit. He directed it. Right. Not a hit. No. Uh, Magnificent Seven. Did okay. Did okay. Equalizer 2. $102 million. Insane. Yeah. He equalized again in that one. He equalized. This time to equalize for the second yeah. time. The odds were in his favor. Uh, equalizer 2. Um, yeah, he made Shooter. Right. He's made so many movies. He's made so many movies. Okay. What did that open to? $13 million. And was that like Sidney Kimmel Entertainment? That was a now defunct distributor. I know Overture that much. Films. Now defunct. Um, number three. Mm -hmm. oh, what a great movie! What a great movie! Uh, it's been in theaters for three weeks. It's been there for three weeks. I saw it twice in theaters. You saw it twice. In I cry at the end of this movie. You cry at the end of this movie. What a great ending it has! So it's some a, people don't like the ending. They're wrong. It's an early 2010. It was a holdover from 2009. It was oh, positioned it. as an awards film, and then they were like, "Fuck it, let's release it in February." And it made a ton of money. In my opinion, the best performance given by this actor with one other movie as competition. When you said you cry, I knew what mm -hmm. it was instantly. Interesting. So they, yeah. it was originally a words contender. Then they were like, fuck it, we're giving big up director, on this. Big director. And it didn't get like a limited release. They just nope. straight up pushed it to they, February. It was weird. They were just like, it's coming out in February. And everyone was like, what? But like, that wasn't going to be an awards movie? And they were just kind of like, no. But February. It, but it was kind of good. It feels like maybe the distributor didn't get it. You know, I've, I'd love to know what the actual reasoning is. Maybe it was unfinished. I have no idea. Maybe the distributor didn't have faith. The studio. Big studio. The ending makes you cry. Oh, I love that ending. Is it like a pointedly emotional ending that some people think is manipulative? It's a twist ending. Big twist. Right, Todd? Oh, mm -hmm. my God. A big, sad twist? Yep. I think it's sad. Yep. I think it's I think it's moving. Do you know what it is? Oh, well, you're looking at it. It's just more. How can you not? I mean, I can't. And it becomes a I'll surprise spoil hit it if I say anything. It becomes a surprise hit. I don't know if it was a surprise hit because it had a big star and it was from a big director, but it was a hit. It made 128 million dollars. Wow, uh, 300 worldwide. Um, people expected it to flop, and then it did. Yeah, I think because of the February thing, people right. were like, "Is this thing a mess?" Yeah. And, uh, and, then and it, it just wasn't. Out. It just wasn't an Oscar player, is what it was. Exactly. It was, is it, it kind of genre? genre? Very genre. Very genre. We're we like to quote this movie, you and I. Oh, oh, oh! That's right. What are we? You and I are duly, duly appointed, appointed federal, federal marshals. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! The film is Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Hey, Shutter we gotta Island. go to this island here. Yeah. Right. 
Um, that's that, you're right. In that its third week, it thirteen away. million dollars. A twist that angers people, but you find deeply emotional should have given it away. They did this for him. I get it. It was for him. I get it. And did it work? Man, probably not. No, David, do you want us to do that for you? Put me on Shutter Island. What if this podcast <laughs> was me your crazy. Shutter Island? I mean, you know Jackie Earl Haley. You I could get him in for five minutes to be like, <laughs> like lighting a big match. <laughs> I got a lot of scores on my face. Um, what a great movie. He, he, he told me some good stories about making that film. Really? Yeah. What, do you know Aya was dumped in February? Uh, no, I think, I think it was that thing. It was where just, they, they just were like, went, this is a genre movie. Just yeah, dump it. Yeah. yeah. Or not dump it, but like, yeah. forget Oscar season. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, no, he told me that was like the first movie where he had the courage to like ask for more takes. Oh, wow. Sure, sure. He Where he's like, I've got another thing I want to try. Gave a performance, right. and Scorsese is so intuitive that, like, if he likes it, he doesn't need more. He's not a guy who needs a ton of coverage. Right. And uh, he was happy with it and was moving on, and he was like, fuck, I, like, just kind of have come back after my career was, like, you know, I was on the down and outs, and I'm working with this massive director. And he, like, built up the confidence to be like, can I do one more? I think I'm not doing what I want to do and what I can't do. Sure. Because he's really good in that scene. Great in that scene. Yeah. Well, I you know you know Marty too, so we can get we can get him. My in two best days. friends, Marty yeah. and Jackie. Yeah, yeah. I nosh with them. We get bagels every Sunday, Marty and Jackie and I. Um. Okay, well, so that's number three. It's a big hit. Number four. Oh boy, saw this one in theaters. Um, comedy, kind of an action comedy. Uh, uh lazily directed, I would say. Cop out. <laughs> <laughs> you damn tootin'. Mm -hmm. uh, a movie in which I remember like Willis literally has guns pointed at him at all times, right? Yes. Where he's just like, you want me to read the lines? Okay, I'll read the lines, yeah. right? Yes, correct. He's got to come back, by the way. Oh, no, no question. Okay. He was a hit. It, well, it's, too, it's too bad he died. Yeah, he well, can never come back. Well, you know. Um, um, number, you know, Tracy is just being Tracy. He's just being silly, right? It is also a movie so lazily constructed that they kept in the clapboards at the beginning and <laughs> end of every take. Uh, cop out, scene three, take two. Um, but what I remember from the movie is that Sean William Scott is, is like pretty in. dialed in and <laughs> he's is having a lot of fun. He's like, fun. he's like, come on, guys, this is fun. He and has, you could, Willis is just like, who are you again? You're the American Pie guy? He has a Fuck very, you, very fun, coked out 10 minutes. Right. Sean William Scott has gotten really good at being the best thing in utter catastrophes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. He's, he just, you know, he come, he's a professional. Yeah. He's a professional silly man. How is he on uh, Lethal Weapon? Have you been watching he's, the weapon? Have he, you been loading I the weapon? I don't watch it regularly, but when I tune in, he's the best he thing seems on a like total a good, catastrophe. A yeah. good casting. Like he's they should have hired him the first time. Yeah. And you know, yeah. the goon movies are like one of those things that like in the 90s were common, those sort of almost straight to video. Yeah. franchises sure. but like he's kind of got one and he deserves one it is one of those things there's where, two goons uh, Kevin Smith always talks about what a nightmare Bruce Willis was on Cop Out yes. and how uncooperative it was, he was sure. and it's like maybe because he hated being in the movie yeah. Cop Out he didn't like you right. <laughs> because of your personality <laughs> number five is a film we've talked about that uh, does 3D better than Alice in Wonderland it does 3D better than Alice Wonderland. Yeah, currently uh, in its 12th week, it has grossed $720 million at the U.S. Hmm. box office. That could be any movie. Now, I mean, here's some movies it could be. The Crazies, Valentine's Day, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. Is Percy uh, Jackson in... No, it's number seven. Fuck, it's tough because all of these movies did over 700 domestic. <laughs> exactly. The Wolfman, over, The Ghost well Rider, right. The Blind Side. Well, that one is actually a hit. Right, yeah. 
Um, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakwells in there at number 18, holding fast. It's still on 562 screens. Um, let me ask you, uh, did this movie uh, inspire a very expensive theme park attraction? It did, but you know what else it inspired? What? It's really well-written, witty uh, Cirque du Soleil show with some sharp humor. You're saying kind of like a subtle dry, a bone exactly. dry but razor sharp wit? Exactly. A cutting kind of wit? My favorite thing is always to look at the bottom movie in the box office, mm-hmm. which is The Cove this week. You remember okay. The Cove? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which has made $88 this week uh, on two screens. So a per screen average of $44. So it inspired a Swifty and Cirque du Soleil show, a very expensive theme park attraction. It made over $700 million domestic. It's in 3D. It could only be one movie. Uh-huh. Alvin the Chipmunks, The Squeakle. <laughs> no, it's uh, Avatar. Oh, okay. James where, Cameron's Avatar. Where is Squeakle, though? 18, okay. number 18. That's still in there. I knew they came out the same same month. Yeah, and Avatar's at number five and has grossed $8 million in its 12th week. Yeah. So a little better. A little better. Um, there you go. Uh, Todd, any uh, uh, further things you want to uh, yell about uh, in relation to this movie? I want to discuss how this film has two Oscars. Yep. Uh, there which, we go. Uh, it won Fair over- Fair to note. Uh, films like Inception, uh-huh. uh, The King's Speech, which mm-hmm. say what you will, great costumes and sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the other ones that were nominated? I mean, Art Direction feels like the most egregious award to give this movie. So, yes. Yeah, let's talk about some of the movies it beat. Because um, it won production design and yes. costume design. Mm-hmm. And Here's I, who it beat for Art Direction. This is actually It was outrageous. nominated for visual effects as well. Yeah, and it lost, lost to right. something. Uh, it lost to Inception. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> A good movie. Uh, the, the art direction one is outrageous because literally every other movie should have won versus it, right? Like, it's uh-huh. number five. Yeah. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, which is Gorgeous a very well-designed movie. movie. Yeah. Oh, all those are. Stuart yeah. Craig, great. But we, uh, no, no. We both think Half, Half-Blood Prince is the one that's the prettiest. That's my favorite. That's beautifully shot. Right. Um, yeah. Inception, which probably should have won. Good which looks. has amazing production All design. kinds of yeah. insane yeah. production yes. design. Right. Incredible The King's rooms. Speech, which has like really great subtle production design. The room that they do the sessions in is the really interesting. <laughs> you remember that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, you know, a little more of a um, Tony sure. period sure. drama. But still, better better, than, better integrated, better, yep. you know, right? Um, True Grit. I mean, in- uh, oh. Incredible looking yeah. movie. Yeah. It is incredible. The other nominees in this category are all Best Picture nominees as well. Good point. Um, well, not Harry Potter. Oh, oh, fuck. Right. I forgot. I mean, yeah. maybe it should have been. Who knows? Uh, that is crazy that Alice wins. Uh, crazy that, I mean, it's winning because it's most production design. Right. I yeah. guess we would all agree, right? But um, And then he, off that Oscar, gets to become one of those people who makes a $200 million debut film. Yeah. Exactly. And like the production design in this movie is, we've already said, is abhorrent. The, yeah. the, it looks bad. Yeah. The sets are lame yeah mm. the concept art like the weird plants the buildings and shit lame yeah the flutter as we noted is done in front lame. of like a fucking arch like that's it like some kind of like rock i yeah, noticed it's rules. all supposed to echo stuff in the real world but yeah. kind of Fuck but it's it. so sloppy yeah. i mean they don't really even ride that out well yeah this movie doesn't commit to anything i feel like the costume wins a little more defensible but also a little more defensible but that's like i mean you know my girl colleen's done much better work than that colleen atwood defeated i am love a great costume nominee (laughs) yes uh the king's speech which Mm -hmm. has wonderful costume the tempest sandy powell if you're gonna give that wild ass costume right anything give it and true grit which has beautiful mary zofries the cohen's regular collaborator those great costumes you're mad about it 
You think True Grit went Ben made a little cootie catcher. Oh for ten. Oh, That's not oh, for ten. Yeah. Outrageous. Oh for ten. What it's a also masterpiece. Weird what a huge Can we do a grit hit cast? that movie was. Not Cohen's. Yeah. Just grit. Can you believe that though? That there is a Cohen Brothers movie that grossed 180 million domestic? Yes. Because it's great. Yeah, but it's all their movies are great. No, I agree. No, it is of weird course. that one the of their films of that movie overperforms is so well. That movie well. you think is like, oh yeah, well, it'll make seventy. It'll be like a yeah, like a, and a that big would have been hit humongous. for them. Exactly. Right, yeah, it'll yeah. be sort of no country money. Right. But it was like number one for like four weeks. Yeah. Um it's That was like the the winter that was Jeff Bridges' King of the Box Office. It was like Tron, Tron. and True Grit were one and two for weeks on it. And now they're doing a combo sequel called Tron Grit. <laughs> True Tron. <laughs> I do want to ask if you. I fight for users. I do want to ask if you guys think this movie has had any cultural impact because I say no, no. But like I feel like yes. I see that Mad Hatter a lot. Like when I, I had to go to Comic Con many years in a row, <gasps> there were a like, lot of Mad Hatter. I think it's dissipated yeah. now, though. I, I literally saw an ad for the app TikTok the other day uh-huh. that featured a guy who dresses up as the Mad Hatter and performs his TikTok. I feel like there was still a good amount of it somehow inexplicably through like 2015. Okay. I feel like I don't see it that much anymore. Like I went to both of the Disney parks, uh, the uh, North American Disney parks in the last year, and it's fully just Jack Skellington land again. Good. It is that weird thing where we talk about what happened to Tim Burton and there's this thing of just like Jack Skellington, the movie he didn't direct but like his like, you know, pure brainchild kind of thing has become such an overpowering mascot of like what he represents that it feels like Disney just backs up the bring trunk to his house and goes like, can you just try to make something like that again, please? Right. Please. There's a rumor that they're going to do a fucking live action Nightmare Before Christmas now, which is just like a- <laughs> That's so stupid. So stupid. It's I like think, reverse idiocy. I think that's a better concept than movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just think the concept I is agree. so much better. But the key also is that that movie is like 71 minutes yeah. long and that Henry Selleck's a genius. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess right. Where they're just thinking like, well, now the tech is caught up that we can right. do it live action. But the songs are so gorgeous. Like that movie is closer to the old Disney animated films that are super short, straight to the point. It will be one of those things too, where it's like Beauty and the Beast, where they're like, you remember that like 90 minute movie? Well, yeah. the, this adaptation is two and a half, hours, and a half hours, hours long. long. Yes. Do you know that Tim Burton and Linda Wolverton have been threatening to do a Broadway musical of this? Really? Yes. If they do, I'll come back. We'll, she we'll said she's it. working on is it. Is that like part of like He's ISIS like, negotiations or something <laughs> where we're like, we'll take that off the table yeah. if you stop gassing people. Because there's that weird threat. Tim Burton was going to direct the, um, uh, what's his name? Jim Shaman uh, Batman musical in the early 2000s. Do you remember that? Shout Jesus. out of hell, Shim, Jim Shaman. I know him. Wrote an entire book for a Batman, Batman musical. Batman out of hell. That's what it was going to be called. I'm, Are you serious? No. Uh, but he wrote an entire uh, Batman musical that Tim Burton was going to direct on Broadway. They announced it in the trades, and uh, some of the songs have leaked out. He repurposed some of them for, like, Bat Out of Hell 3. But the one that I like is called I Work the Graveyard Shift. <laughs> and it's Batman talking about working late nights. I'm seeing it. It sounds kind of good. Graveyard Shift. Um, you've also got songs called in the land of the pig, the butcher is king. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which sounds like a Jim Steinman song. Yep. Um, uh, we're still the children we once were. What's going on? I don't know. Wait, are we done, Ben? 
Rachel. I gotta edit Snooky's fucking podcast. <laughs> all right. We yeah. gotta do ads. Yeah, you gotta do ads. I gotta... Where, where do you get all those wonderful toys? I that's think one. that's one of the yeah, songs. It's the Joker's song. Anyway, if he uh, if he comes, uh, you know, a knocking on on Broadway's door, we'll bring you back, Todd. Wonderful. Uh, and if not, uh, we'd love to have you on for a movie you don't despise down to its core. Oh well, you we can know, alternate. Yeah, we can. That's that's my plan. Some right. of your favorites, yeah. some of your least favorites. A, a, a gem and. Uh... And a turd. Poop. No, well, I, you know, I can just stick around and give you some throwaway well, lines to stick into the ads that are going to go on this episode. So I can be like, wow, that's what great we had to say about Robin Hood, Chancellor Angela Merkel. You want to give um, us a quick four, <laughs> no specifics. Talk about products without, without saying I definitely think we should give um, Ben work to do. Yeah, Todd, Todd give us right, three right. quick ad reads, personal experience ad reads. Okay. Without right. naming the product. I really use this product and it's a thing that I brought into my apartment and my cats all loved it and my wife loved it and now they all love me more and I'm not getting divorced anymore. Okay. So, One, great. Ben, mark that as a select. Two. <laughs> the second is, wow, this product cured my scoliosis. Okay. Mark that as a select. Three. This product made me feel good about the state of the world today. And third select. And I think that's a wrap on Todd. Um, I, I'm sorry. I got to plug shit. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. I was going to say. Plug. Please. Um, the new podcast is called Primetime. It's coming to your podcatcher of choice on April 11th. Hell yeah. I've also got another podcast called Arden. I'm not in it, but I wrote it. Cool. And people seem to like Fiction it. Fiction podcast? Fiction podcast. So your dad thinks it's a scripted lie. Scripted podcast. My yeah. dad thinks it's a lie. He won't speak to me <laughs> anymore. But uh, you could find that. Uh, first season's out on podcatchers. I also have a book, uh, Monsters of the Week. X-Files. Uh, X-Files Companion. It is in bookstores now and you can find me on Vox and at Twitter T-V-O-T-I to voti. And I also, TV on the internet. I know you're driving people to the new stuff but I recommend if you got time go go back yes. through the archives if I think you're interesting. So it was a wonderful show. I'm excited we'll still be uh, continuing in some form or another. Yes. Yeah. Listen to Griffin and David's episodes. They're great. Mm, I do have a, I have a famous goof on mine though. <laughs> Don't like that goof. Uh, what what else to to say here? Oh, merchandise spotlight. Uh, tragically, <laughs> embarrassingly, the last three things ever released for <sighs> Disney Infinity, my beloved video game, were Alice and the Mad Hatter. Uh, yeah, you told me that after right, they had right, canceled right, right. it, they were like, "Fuck, we already made these." Mia Wasikowska did the voice. Yes, for Alice. Yes, I'm sure she was yes. compensated. I uh, hope she they was made a time one too. Sasha Baron Cohen, Johnny Depp didn't do their voices, but I have fucking Alice in Wonderland and Mad Hatter figures that are in a box that I'll never open ever again. Not like still in their packaging. Like I opened them and yeah, then blood started seeping down my walls and I, I locked them up in a crate and threw them in the right, bottom your, of the ocean. Your, your house um, 1408-ed or what? Yes, it 1408-ed. I had a full blast 1408. That is a 1408. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Todd, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it was great to be here. King amongst men. Next week, uh, Dark Shadows. Oh my God, Todd, standing up. Doing the Futterwack? Next week, Dark Shadows with Jamie Loftus. That's right. Uh, we're getting dark, baby. And I'll tell you, after rewatching uh, Mrs. Peregrine and uh, Alice in Wonderland, I like Dark Shadows a lot more now. Sure. It's got some energy. It's got some energy. It's <laughs> Wait, got a little bit. Because we recorded bit. that episode when we were more in the actually good Burton We recorded zone. that like right after recording Beetlejuice. Yeah, we were right. like, what's this thing? <laughs> you're right. And now you're like, a rare return to form for <laughs> Timothy Burton. He appears to have given instructions to the actors. <laughs> <laughs> like now, when we were recording the episode, I was like, why did I stand up for this movie at the time? And now I'm like, I should have fought for it harder sure. on the episode. Right.
<laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Go to blankies.red.com for some real nerdy shit. Go to TeePublic for some real nerdy shirts. Go to Patreon for some real nerdy b- b- bonus content. And I want to thank Pat Reynolds and Joe Bowen <laughs> for their artwork. And for Godo for social media. Lane Montgomery for his theme song. And as always, keep fuddering that whacking. Gross. <laughs> <laughs>